Welcome to the most forward-thinking, inspirational podcast on the planet. Prepare to reevaluate everything you've been taught. gentlemen welcome back to the mental mastery alliance podcast today i have with us a pretty fun guest fellow that i met on the instagram uh, he was posting some crazy shit and i loved it uh so so every now and again you sort of catch on to somebody who's who's doing something that goes against the grain when you know the grain itself is kind of kind of screwed up the insanity seems normal uh, and the insanity in this case is is uh, is Will Spencer from the the Renaissance of Man, um, a podcast, a lifestyle, an Instagram page, uh, basically a collection of ideas and and thoughts and and inspiration for men uh, and anyone looking to sort of step themselves up just a little bit more. Do you are do you find um, first off, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for having awesome. me on. Awesome. Do you find, um, have you been getting flack, especially in sort of the cancel culture slash me too movement era? Uh, have you been getting flack about having either men in the title or Renaissance or promoting that sort of thing? Cause I know a lot of the times it seems like, especially since 2017, men have been under attack. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, it's been it's been much longer than that. Um, you know, part of the thing, twenty seventeen is when it became really obvious that men were under attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really, it's been a multi generational thing. Like our fathers, our grandfathers, it goes back that far if we start looking into it. Um, but have I personally have I personally gotten flack? Sometimes I did get Twitter swarmed by a bunch of liberals on um, on uh, on Twitter. That was that was fun. But you know, for the most part, what I find is when you talk about men in a way that encourages them. Um, it's very difficult to attack. It's yeah. only when you start crossing red lines, like you're not allowed to say anything negative about feminism or women or anything like that. It's when you cross those red lines, that's when people start to get really, get really upset, which mm-hmm. generally I, I don't do. I, I will do it on Twitter though, less so on Instagram. Well, uh, the interesting thing about Twitter is you can say whatever you want and the, uh, the Twitterverse will, will, will uh, either attack or not attack. Right. And the interesting, like, I mean, I'm, I'm blown away by that because I personally have been shut down from Twitter. They took me mm. off Twitter and I wasn't, well, I shouldn't say I wasn't con, con, uh, geez, my brain just went to mush. I, I, it's not that I wasn't it's controversial. Okay. Uh, it's, it's that it was like one thing led to another, led to another, uh, that led to, uh, to this being shut down. And I had to learn to, to speak in a, obviously a less aggressive tone, um, mm. And that was one of those things where it's like, you know, especially when you're sort of in the throes of, of your own mind, when you're a male, uh, I speak as a male. So when you are yeah. a male living firmly in the third dimension, um, you, you know, you, 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 there's the victimhood mentality and it exists in a lot of us. Like, why is this happening to me? Why, you know, yeah. why can't I blah, 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 blah. And then you realize that things are happening in a sense where you're, you know, you're, you're aggressive in your tonality. You feel certain things. And I, I know for me, I sort of changed all that. And I was like, wow, things are a little bit different. Like, why am I constantly being attacked for having these opinions? I would say to myself. And now there's a funny meme. It's Picard from Star Trek, the next generation. Mm-hmm. And, and he's got his, he's like, he's like, just got this ghastly look on his face. And it's like going back and reading stuff that you posted, you know, four or five years ago, but sort of your mentality towards things back then. I think I saw that one. Yeah. And, and I, and it always makes me laugh. Cause I'm like, it, it was me. It was me all along. And, and that realization uh, is is absolutely astounding. Sort of when yeah. you, when when you hit that and you're like, fuck, there's nobody to point the finger at, and there's you know anyone that wanted to attack me, they had the right <laughs> to attack me. And I've found that when you step into your purpose and your alignment, you you um, when you're regulated properly, there's no there's no need for that. You're in a sense of of, of, of you're operating out of integrity. Yes, and that changes everything. So when you operate of integrity, I found that no one's going to attack you. And if they do, you've got a defense for it. And you realize that anyone that does attack you is really only spewing out their, their thing, their, right. their issue, their drama. Um, but for you, I got to ask with everything that you're doing and, and sort of with the way that you're growing and how you're, how you're attacking the world. Um, what was your benchmark? What was your aha moment? What was your waking up moment? Your, your uh, stepping into purpose moment. Do you have one in mind? I do. Yeah. And, and I just want to um, echo everything that you said that when you're, when you as a man are speaking in integrity, when you're speaking from a position of um, actually sharing your own thoughts instead of attacking other people's thoughts, um, it's a very different posture and it invites a lot less attack. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it, there really is something to it's as much about what you say as how you say it. And there's a great quote that someone uh, told me. It's like, they'll never, people might not remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel when you said it. Mm-hmm. And there's so much truth to that in social media. Like, how are you actually trying to make people feel? 
my personal aha moment was in summer of 2020. Um, I had tra- I'd been traveling overseas for a while and I came home and uh, the world obviously shut down. And I found my way into uh, online men's communities. One, uh, Alexander Cortez is like a fitness fitness guru kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was in his Telegram chat, maybe like 300 guys in there. And I was sharing some of my thoughts and opinions. And I found that people actually like valued what I had to say. Okay. So I wrote this blog post on my travel blog called uh, To Lose the World and Gain My Soul, mm-hmm. which was, I'm not going to be intimidated into using my social media in the way everyone says I have to. I'm not going to post a black square. You know, I'm not going to be bullied <clears throat> by by the this messaging and these ideas. Like these are my platforms and I get to do what I want with them. So I wrote, you know, uh, a blog post about that. And that blog post like went super viral. Right. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, okay, people actually care what I have to say, uh, me as a man, and that my unique story and my unique perspective has value. And so I had been planning to be a psychotherapist. I wanted to work with men, but then I realized why would I spend five years in school to set up a, an office here in Phoenix? Right. when I can start being a coach and start creating content and working with men directly now. So yeah. that was like the aha moment when I was like, oh, I've got something to contribute to the conversation. It's funny um, uh, when, when interviewing clients, potential clients, uh, you have this um, the question that sometimes comes up. And this is something that, you know, for anyone listening to, if you decide you want to be a coach and you want to start speaking, there's a massive difference between coaching and therapy. Yes. Uh, coaching is results driven. Therapy is uh, see you next week driven. And uh, the problem is, you know, when you when you are interviewing as a coach for clients, they'll say, do you have any credentials? Do you have, you know, any of this sort of thing? And it's one of those things where, you know, imposter syndrome might kick in to somebody who never went to school for it. Uh, and one thing that I found with, with, with what I teach uh, the people that I work with uh, and what I say just in general is that um, I... I was not trained by the very system I speak against. And to, and to <laughs> me, fair. that's what, that's what therapy is. And if I were, if I had the plaque and if I had this, that, and the other thing, I would be teaching you from a position of what they taught me. I would have had to have lived up to their standards to get the plaque, to teach you all the same shit. And that's not going to fly anymore. That doesn't fly in today's day and age. I don't think simply because what I have to teach is not something that I could have ever learned inside an indoctrination camp, a school. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's huge and that's important. So just like you said, you know, you put that post up and if somebody's out there and they've got something to, they, they, they've got something to say and they want to, they want to, they want to, you know, read it, say it, do it, be it. They should. And if I've always said this as well, for every single person that's got an inkling to speak for everyone that, that has the desire to say something, there's a hundred thousand people that want to listen. Because there aren't many people that want to speak. That's true. The 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 funny thing too is with regards to you know like the 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 liberal left and all that sort of stuff, and not not to be political about this because I hate the whole political stance on it. Right. But there are a collective of people who are let's say anti-bullying, for example, that is their message, and they're willing to bully you into it. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And, and 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 it's one of those things that that can't be caught, you know. Uh, there's, 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 there's groups of people who, who, you know, who are down with men and down with this and down with that. And when I see this, I think to myself, you're perpe- you're perpetuating the very same thing that you're trying to, to, to speak against in this, in this arena. And there, it, it's lost on so many people 
Um, have you, what have you come across, uh, you know, since you started doing this and, and, and what changes have you found in yourself, uh, coming from a, a position where, you know, you realize that you didn't have to go to school and that you could just start speaking and that people would just start listening. How do you feel that that's changed your life? I can say that, um, I've actually found, um, in myself, like my, how, how I, how it is that I like to coach and, I, I I hear a lot. I, I've actually was having a conversation about uh, therapy with a man last night. Actually, on, on my podcast, so it seems to be in the air, and there have been posts going around. Yeah. And I think what isn't well understood about therapy, because there are so few good therapists, is that therapy it, it, it appears very much to be see you next week. And then there are a lot of therapists for whom you know they treat it as as just an income source, and they're not actually trying to make you any better. But there are good therapists out there that are like, no, I, I want to get you to a point where you don't have to talk to me anymore. Yeah, the para- the therapists that do that <clears throat> work primarily with people's beliefs about themselves, like what they believe that they're capable of, who they think they are, what they think they're they're um, they can accomplish in life. And what I've discovered about myself in my coaching is is I work fifty fifty with beliefs and habits. So a coach works with with habits and and productivity, you know, and and, and outward measurable goals. Mm-hmm. A therapist works with your inner reality and inner beliefs, and I do a bit of both because your, your beliefs about yourself will drive your habits. And then if you change your habits, you can see that you can change and your beliefs about yourself will change. So you can go back and forth between those two. It's kind of like a virtuous cycle. Mm-hmm. So in my coaching, what I do is, um, because I do have this background of, of working with my own inner reality and other people's, that I can help these men identify what their beliefs about themselves are and say, do you see that belief? Like, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. So I had a client who, um, he was disappointed with where he was at in his career and he didn't think that he would um, ever amount to anything. And uh, a lot of this always goes back to our fathers and mothers. And he was telling me about an experience he had where he was, uh, his dad was, uh, his dad was lifting, they were lifting weights in the garage and, and the, my client, we'll call him, we'll call him Jim. Um, it's not his real name. Uh, his dad. Be funny appeared- if it was though. <laughs> yeah, right. Damn his it. dad, damn it. Let me get a phone call. So his dad appeared to, his dad appeared to push him. Jim was like a young teenager and his dad appeared to push him further than he could have gone and kind of bullied him into it. And that led to Jim getting injured and Jim not being able to do all the things that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I went back into that moment with him and I said, you know, like let's, what was going on there? It's like, oh, well, my dad was always hyper competitive with me. Like, wait, what? Like your own father was competitive with you. Like your father, an adult male was being competitive with you and, and potentially may have even sabotaged you. And so you grew up thinking that, you know, if you made it anywhere in life that you would, you would be sabotaged. And he's like, oh, that was a really, that was a big thing for him to recognize that his daughter, his dad had taught him something about himself. And so by shifting that belief that what your dad taught you in the moment was a lie, we were able to work on so many of his habits and his self-belief changed and then everything kind of spiraled from there so it's kind of back and forth right? right now good therapists will take years to get there because they they have a rule that they can't really tell you what they're thinking they have to lead you to it and me as a coach i'm like no no i need to i need to help this dude fix his life you see that that's crap yeah. <laughs> like, and now we're going to do something about it so that's how it's changed me is to be able to put those two halves of myself together and interestingly enough um do you find and this is what I found sort of as, as I was coaching. I mean, I, I became, I went from, I, I came from sales coaching into mm. uh, life coaching and I've always hated 
the term life coach. Right. I also don't care much for the industry. I don't like, I don't like the idea of somebody telling you these are the things that you need to do to make yourself happy. Anything that's cookie cutter to me is bullshit. I don't like the marketing behind it. I don't like the industry. I don't like the people, all of the gurus and all of these people with all of these things that they can do to fix. I don't like any of that shit. Yeah. Um, And, and it's funny because, you know, that's supposed to be my wheelhouse. That's supposed to be, you know, where I sit when it comes to this. Um, The idea of me selling myself to, to make money uh, drives me insane as well. Right. It's, it's what's done, but you know, marketing and all this sort of stuff, all those cliches, all that gimmick and all that bullshit to me just drives me insane. Yeah. So you see all these guys and you see all these marketing, you see all this stuff out there, like do this, do that, do this, do that. And the, and the whole purpose that I found with coaching and with people and with all that sort of stuff is two things have taken place. I've had the opportunity to, uh, over the past, I guess I've been doing it now, uh, the life coaching side of things. And I've gotten away from the sales coaching, which I've now reintegrated. So I do have the ability to help people with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was me not, uh, not denying um, strength, right? So uh, allowing mm-hmm. all things to be. Uh, and that that was a cool thing too. So I've found that being able to do this sort of stuff and being able to help and work with people has been uh, profound for yeah. who I'm becoming. Um, and and when that happens, you know, you get to help a different cal- not a different caliber of person, but you get to help on a different level. You get to get right inside. And mm-hmm. there is this thing like you talked about where the therapist tries to lead you there. You hit something on the head where you've probably got one of the same. You well, you definitely have a gift of discernment. And you can see right through uh, the bullshit. Yeah. So you don't know what it is, but when somebody says my dad was in competition with me, it's like, well, fuck, well, here's why this is that. that, that, that now that you've got this out there. Um, but the gift of discernment is something that not a lot of people understand. And and it's one of those things where it's like, how can you tell me about me? You don't even know who I am. I'm like, well, it's one of those. <laughs> you know, I, I only need to talk to you for about five or 10 minutes to be like, this yeah. is what's going on. Yeah. And so when you hammer that down, it's absolutely beautiful. One thing, uh, and, and one of the main differences uh, between you and I is uh, our backgrounds and our, our mentalities, um, They although they're very similar and they, they preach a similar message, there is an opportunity for you and I to, to create conflict in and within ourselves simply because you come from a religious background mm-hmm. and I come from a new age background, quote unquote new age. And why I like this, I think this is what we were talking about too in the thread a couple months back, um, well, it's been about, about, been about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, was that was that if you say you're new age, um, you know it's, it's detrimental. Again, it's a label. Religion, new age, all labels. Um, the mentality behind it is is fascinating to me. Uh, for 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 somebody to be so accepting, like a religion to be so accepting, the war that comes from it is the spin that man puts on it. So one of my favorite quotes of all time is to find the God that created this. We have to first forget the God that man created. To find mm-hmm. the God that created man, man must first forget the God that man created. To find the God that created man. I'm trying to get that mm-hmm. right. Yeah, you got it. To find the God that created man, man must first forget the God that man created. Because we do tell ourselves a story. Whether we sit here, you and me, two human beings having a conversation. New age is a lie. Religion is a lie. Science is a lie. I mean, you can tell that. Science. And trust the science. The whole COVID mm-hmm. thing. Um. Your religious background, how do you, do you intertwine that or do you have uh, any sort of spirituality or what's your take on that? Because I am curious to know in your perception, where, where are we going? Where does it all, you know, where, where are we coming from? Where are we going? What's the religious version of, 
what's happening right now? Well, I, I actually spent 20 years in the new age. So, um, so, and that includes, you know, going to Burning Man three times, ayahuasca, you know, visiting all the various new age sites around the world, like Sedona and Goa and Bali and Byron Bay and stuff like that. That was, that was my life for a very long time. And, um, and I came to Christ in 2020. That was as a result of 20 years of, of searching, of exploring different religious and spiritual traditions in this giant. I mean, the new age is just a big label for a lot of different ideas kind of mashed together and no, yeah. there's no consistent, there's no consistent thread through all of it. It's kind of like you, you put all these ideas on a big buffet and you take the ones off the, off the trays that, that work for you. And, and that is your, you know, particular, you know, religion, personal religion. That's what the new age is. So no two people have the same belief system for the most part. I, I would um, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and that's, that's one of the things that makes the new age uh, very appealing is that you can kind of build your own personal spirituality around the way that you're constructed. Um, but what makes it uh, less appealing is to realize that really ultimately everyone in the new age is very isolated because no two people share the same beliefs. Like mm-hmm. maybe you're into crystal. I'm not saying you, but you know, someone's into crystals. Oh, I'm not really into crystals. I'm more into the Enneagram. Another person's into astrology. And it's like, well, we're all in this room together, but we don't really have a whole lot in common. And so right. it can be very isolating in that way. Um, so where do I, um, where do I think, where do I think this is all going? Well, you know, we, uh, we talked. We, it was a loaded we, question for sure. Yeah. No, that's fine. I can answer. I can absolutely. I can. I can absolutely unload the question and answer it. You know, I, I think we'd agree that when we started out the conversation talking about the assault on on masculinity. So, yeah. what? So that that leads to the question: What does it actually mean to be a masculine man? Which leads to the question: What does it mean to be a feminine woman? And what do we have inside ourselves that tells us what those things are? And that's what we're trying to get. That's what we're trying to get back to. And when when we really inside ourselves as men begin digging down into what it means to be a man, where I ultimately got to, where I ultimately arrived is to recognize there is actually a religion that talks about it really clearly what it means to be a masculine man. And that religion is Christianity. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you really start exploring what the Bible has to say, you know, about masculinity and femininity as well, but about masculinity, you find that this is actually a pretty firm foundation to root everything that I think and know and feel about what it means to be a man. And I haven't found that me personally now, I haven't found that in any other religion. You go looking through Hinduism, Hinduism says the self doesn't exist. Buddhism says the same. Indigenous religions, you know, very similar. But to actually look at Christianity, it says, no, men and women are made in specific images, in the image of God. And when you say, if I want to be a masculine man, what spirituality can I adopt that reflects that masculinity? Christianity is the answer. So I think that's where we're going, is ultimately men who are looking for what it means to be a man will find their way to a, a faith that reflects that back to them, and they'll root themselves in it. And then they'll find all kinds of very wonderful things that go along with it. I love that answer. Um, and I love the open conversation. I Again, you know, I came to new age through Christianity uh, and I, I had to walk away from Christianity. Yeah. Uh, and that, it, so that's, you know, that's as you were talking, I'm like, this is all flooding back. You know, this is, this is the, yeah. this is the meat and potatoes of why you're here right now. Yeah. Awesome. Um, they, and, and that's, you know, that to me was, was interesting. And I never wanted to take away from anyone's religious belief because like you said, in the new age, everybody's got this, that, and the other thing, and, and you're into crystals and you're into woo woo juju and all that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, for me, when I say new age, I don't even like the term new age because I, I, and I, but I don't want to say I'm, I'm, I've, I've morphed beyond it, you know, because that's just arrogant as well. Um, I, I don't like labels, but I use them, um, in my speech. Right. You have to. I don't, I don't like, 
You know, I don't, I don't like all of these things. Um, and in my reality, so as my, as my crow flies, I, I, I want to say, I see sort of above and beyond it. Mm. Therefore, um, when you say God or our man and woman were created in a certain image, um, I see things like we live on a prison planet. <laughs> Both things right. can be equally true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think to myself, you know, when, when men and women can be created, you know, like if you're sent to a prison, there's no reason like this is the jumpsuit that they gave us to live down here. Oh, I know? see what you mean. Yeah. Um, and, and that, you know, that's kind of a, that's kind of a thing. And I think that, you know, there are so many possibilities and I think my biggest problem with new age is that, uh, they're firm in their wishy-washiness and which is an awkward <laughs> statement. But, You're very right. Yeah. Um, and, and my problem with Christianity was there's too many limitations. Um, so I also hunted down, I mean, I I went through all the religions, my problem with Catholicism, sorry if this is going to offend some people, but it's way too close to Satanism for me. Uh, you know, that's probably going to offend some people. (laughs) Yeah, probably. But you know, it's, but it is, I mean, they don't let you read the Bible. They read it to you. They don't let you do this. They don't Mm. let you like a lot of the Catholic, the, the Catholic, especially the Orthodox Catholic. And I've got some Orthodox Catholic friends like, and it's, it's fucked up. Uh, mm. the stuff that's in there. Um, and, and then Christianity is the same. And then you got Islam, which is one of those things where, where, you know, it's totally different. And and then you've got the media, which is another religion. And they, they tell you that, that, you know, we're supposed to fight this and we're supposed to fight that at the end yeah. of the day, every last religion, quote unquote, bows to a God. And who that yes. God is, who that God is, is up for debate. Um, my another problem I had too with Christianity was the idea of God and Satan, hmm. um, because God, because the idea that God exists implies that Satan exists, uh, and also they tell a lot of stories about Satan. Um, Satan is fear, and God is love and light, and I feel that we need both of those in this world to 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 gauge a sort of right and a wrong, hmm. um, and that's where my problem with Christianity came from. There, there, it was too rigid. So now I say this, I say, I say the, the, the new agers are weird. Um, and I would most closely identify with a new ager, um, but they're weird uh, and they're aggressive. Most religions that I've come across are weird um, and aggressive and almost brainwashy. Um, but it's neat because it's all of this chaos. It's all of these things that we need to experience to help us get to the next level. So wherein you and I right now are having this conversation, there's probably somebody listening to this show could be this year. It could be in the year 2050, mm-hmm. uh, assuming I've paid my hosting bill. And uh, <laughs> long tail show, yeah, exactly. But they could be listening to it and go, "These two idiots are talking about some dumb bullshit." When it's really this and this and this, right? Mm-hmm. And but that's what I love about this: the world that we live in is completely fluid. You said no two no two New Agers are having the same experience. No two entities on this planet are having the same experience we all know, the, no two have the same religion no two have the same version of the new age religion is what i meant yeah yeah but yeah that's also true yeah that's kind of i don't know how i said it oh anyway they're, they're that's having what, that's what i was getting yeah. at yeah yeah and that's the experience here you no two people are having the exact we're, we're all in the same sandbox but none of us are having the exact same experience which is how all of 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 the entire experience is totally unique mm-hmm. in my opinion which again is a new age statement because so and so and so and so we all experience the Bible we all experience this, but we all experience it in our own right. Mm-hmm. So, how did you go from from twenty years of new age? How did you how did your brain accept or or was it looking for maybe a structure? But 
How did you accept mm-hmm. a, a deity, as it were? Well, you know, let's let it's it's funny that you asked that because I, I wanted to tackle this notion of, of prison planet that you brought up sure. because because that was that was a big part of it. Um, in in 2011, 2012, I was part of Occupy Wall Street when I was living in San Francisco. The Occupy Wall Street had a San Francisco branch, and I was I was a part of that. And this was before wokeness was a thing, so I it was possible for me to be you know a white guy and, and still participate in a in a, in a liberal political <laughs> activism. I mean, I wanted, I mean, yeah, I mean, I wanted the I wanted the big banks to swing. I was furious. I mean, it was really clear that there was so much corruption coming from the top of the financial system. And I thought Occupy Wall Street at the time where it started out was like making a really strong comment, like, this is not okay. It got slid, but that's a whole other conversation. Oh, yeah. So I, w- I would go to these, I would go to these meetings of Occupy, and there would be all these different interest groups that would all be arguing about whose issue was the most important. Like literally, like the spotted owl was the most important thing, or we need to, you know, veganism is the most important thing, or or stop, you know, uh, or uh green energy or whatever. They'd all be arguing, everyone thought their thing was the most important thing. And I'm like, looking around at these people arguing and I'm like, there must, these things must be connected somehow. Right. That's just the way my mind works. 100%. And so that, and so it was, it was that pursuing that train of thought that ultimately led me to splash down not too long after discovering stuff like Jeffrey Epstein and those whole blackmail networks and, and everything. And that was like a whole big eye-opening thing specifically to the prison planet point. And then of course you start exploring that whole world of you know, all the symbolism and media, which I'm sure that you know about. And it's like everything, your eyes get open and you see the world for what it is, right? Right. Okay. Not everyone has gone through that process, but it's a real thing. Okay. So that's the prison planet. So, um, and, 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 and so I agree that that's, I, I love I, how you just glossed over Jeffrey Epstein and, and the children and this thing. Just like, yeah, that's a thing. But yeah, well, it's funny. We've talked about it ad nauseum on the show, but that was okay. a really entertaining gloss over of a well, okay, major well, impact. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it, we, it gets even, that's a, I didn't know. I don't, I figured you probably talked about, it. okay. So my red pill was called uh, it's called the greenbaum speech have you ever heard about the greenbaum speech dr cory den hammond no. Maybe. okay okay so the so the, the greenbaum speech dr dr cory den hammond was the world's leading expert on uh multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder world's leading expert like so many letters after his name published books like he still has the leading textbook at a conference in this would have been in the 90s i think he gave a talk at the at the MPD multiple personality disorder annual conference in, in America. He's like, okay, all of us who work in this field, we've all encountered patients who have a specific set of characteristics that we don't know what to do with it. I've been researching this for a long time and I've I've finally cracked it. And and we're today we're gonna talk about it. And you can hear in the recording, everyone starts applauding. You can hear in the audio recording, everyone starts applauding. What Dr. Corey Den Hammond had discovered was that children were being ritualistically abused to break their minds into like different pieces so that they can be programmed. And it was a they're like, this is an, obviously an enormous network. You can you can find it by asking these non-leading questions. And he talks about this stuff for like an hour. And I was listening, I was reading it. I was reading the text version. And I was reading this and I was like, okay, this is credible information that does not fit into my existing worldview. Right. Like, right. Like I can't argue with the source. I, it's, it's the people are applauding. So clearly he's not the only one who thinks this and I have nowhere to funk. I know have nowhere to put this in my worldview. And so I had two choices in that moment, as everyone does when they encounter information that doesn't fit in the worldview, you throw out the information or you throw out the worldview. 
So I threw out the worldview <laughs> and then that was me tumbling down the rabbit hole. Right. right. What right. Year was so this? this was 2013. I was I, after nine 11, I was, you know, I, I watched zeitgeist like everybody, if you remember that movie and, you know, I was started getting into all that, but then I went, I get, went to work in a, in a big corporate job and I was like, how, how, do, how is a conspiracy going to get everyone to get all the, the cats herded in the same direction? Like my small department that I work for can barely get anything done. How are they going to coordinate? Right. You know, it's kind of this naive belief. But when I was a kid, I loved reading about Bigfoot and UFOs and the Loch Ness Monster and all that stuff. So, you know, I went in and out. But, you know, after reading the Greenbaum speech, it was like, kaboom, my whole world was, was shattered. It was, it was not a painful process. It was like, what is happening? So it's that's not why. It's painful at all. It's, it's, yeah, it's utterly confusing, terrifying at points. And yes. then you're left going, what the, what the, uh. yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, and, and it becomes, and the only way to, um, to really get through that is to begin acquiring more and more information. And then that process leads to a lot of, that's where a lot of guys get lost. They get, they follow down rabbit trails or they start speaking out loud too much on social media and they lose friends and family. Cause it's this whole reprogramming kind of thing. I was very fortunate to realize like, I probably shouldn't be talking about this because the information that I encountered was like, you can't just bring it up. Like, Hey guys, did you know that they're abusing kids around the world? Like you're not going to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So because I got I one of the reddest of red pills, I had to keep it to myself. Um, um, I got so banned. Yes. That's where I got banned from uh, from the Twitters for so talking about stuff. It. Yeah, and and you and I talked too when I first reached out to you or first connected with you. When you followed me, you had, uh, you had the the Instagram said this account normally shares false information. Are you sure you want to follow? I mine was, said that. No, mine said that. Oh, okay, okay. For you, yeah. And and I just recently got off a, a what was supposed to be a ninety day, but it was like a six month shadow ban. Like they've just abused the hell out of me for for posting mm-hmm. these things. So when you say you're not supposed to say that, I just did. Yeah. Uh, and then I launched a podcast, and my podcast uh, there was another podcast that we had that was on Anchor, and it got pulled, my like problem, yeah. wiped out. So Spotify bought Anchor and blew up our kernel, so that podcast was gone. So now I say to anyone that's got anything controversial to say, own your own kernel, hundred percent. Oh, you self host? I do, yeah. Oh, good for you. I should yeah, so nobody's it. pulling this down. <laughs> I might actually want to talk to you about how to do that then. Oh, I'll get you. I'll set you up with all the links. It's all run through the website. So you get a deal and all that sort of shit through us. We'll just, I can point you through it. It's nice. Okay. Yeah. Cause I would like to start. Um, I would like to start. There's a, there's an author. Her name is Whitney Webb and she wrote um, a pair of books called uh, one nation under blackmail. This mm-hmm. is, you guys can't see it, but I just got these and it's just like, she just blows up the entire, it's really about the connection between organized crime like the mafia and uh, and intelligence services mm-hmm. and so it's like a two volume kind of thing so i started reading it and it's like she went deep dude she went deep she went all the way back to like world war ii it's wild and so. if yeah if you're on a if you're on a, a a podcast where you're being um where you're not in control of your seat like if you're if you're being hosted yeah uh, I, I say anchor because that's that's the one that we started with way back in the day um when spotify bought them they weren't down with it they weren't down with what we were talking about I believe it. So right now, Spotify doesn't like what I'm talking about. What they've done is they've put warnings on the episodes uh, mm-hmm. and they've pulled a few episodes. So I don't remember which ones they were because it was so long ago. Um, and I'm not even upset about it. I'm just like, whatever it is, what it is. Right. So they pulled some of the stuff that we were talking about. I think it, I think it was us correlating certain things to other things. <laughs> uh, yeah. I wonder what just, that could be. Yeah. Exactly. Let's just put it like that. Uh, and so they pulled the episode. So like my episode list is hilarious because it's like this a certain amount of episodes in, but it's a certain amount of episodes shown. I'm like, yeah. And then when those numbers mm. become bigger, like more and more gradual, I'm like, okay, I see what you're doing. You're Got still it. pulling my episodes, but not telling me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But again, my episodes in their entirety are hosted uh, on the website. So it works out really well. That's um, good. But if you're going to start talking about that shit, yeah, you're definitely going to want to self-host. Well, I, th- I think it really ties in. It really ties into what it means to be a man. And I, I do want to get back <clears throat> to the prison planet thing. And I, I won't lose that thread. It really ties into being a man because in order to successfully be a masculine man in any era, you have to be willing to confront the truth first and foremost about yourself. If right. you're unwilling to confront the truth about yourself and to take that truth on, you'll never get anywhere. You'll continue to live in, you'll continue to live in self-created illusions and lies, which is boyish behavior. So a man must first confront the truth about himself. Then he must confront the truth about others. And then he must confront the truth about the world. Because if you're, if you allow yourself to live in any kind of illusions or lies, first of all, you're in danger because the truth has an advantage over you, but you can't actually honestly assess your place in the world unless you have an honest assessment of the world. And so to me, talking about these things, you know, people will say it's controversial or it's abrasive or it's confrontational. I'm like, look, you know, I thought we were in the men do hard things movement. It's like it's, yeah, it's really hard to confront our bad ideas about reality. It hurts. It sucks to know that people have lied to us or that we believe lies, but you know, yeah, it's a painful process, but once you go through it, you're free. You're truly, truly free. And then you can then you can move freely in the world and form authentic relationships with other powerful men who have themselves confronted the truth. And you're never done. You know, you're, you're never actually done. Um, it's an ongoing thing, but it, it deeply ties to masculinity. So these are these are this is it's not necessarily profitable, it's not necessarily popular, it's not it's not necessarily gonna win me any friends. But like to me, this is what it means to be a man. And if you're gonna be strong to confront a barbell or strong to pr- confront your profession. You have to be strong to confront reality. I, yeah. I don't see these things as being separate. No, and and you said it to me. You said it backwards, uh, which is interesting too. You're like the hmm. bizarro version of me. Um, <laughs> bizarro, bizarro. Like, I just we both have very me. nice, have very nice beards, by the way. Ah, oh, damn straight with you. You you've been telling yeah. all these stories too. You're like you you make yourself sound like you're 60 years old with all your stories, but you look like you're 25 for Christ's sake. So good Thank regime, you. my friend. Um, Thank you. But with regards to uh, with regards to uh, finding yourself, finding your, um, your man, finding the the human, my my jump from sales coaching, which was lucrative for me, uh, was was you know very third dimensionally a lucrative career. My jump from that into mm. life coaching was the fact that when I was making the most amount of money I've ever made, when I was doing everything they told me to do, white picket fence, two and a half kids car i don't have any kids two and a half cars uh you know a seven car garage all this shit when i was living that dream i was the most miserable i've ever been and Mm -hmm. you talk about your red pill moments and that sort of thing uh ironically you know again everything's circling the ethos like this episode um i have yet to record um but it's it's been on my mind so much uh, the dark night of the soul which is a very Mm. new age statement um but that's what you were describing earlier on yeah. At the dark night of the soul where you confront yourself. And when I jumped out of um, sales coaching, when I jumped into this, this was me going through a moment in my life and in my time where I couldn't put up with this shit anymore. And it was massive amounts of drug use, massive amounts of drinking, cigarettes, fast women, all these dumb things that I was doing, uh, like consumption of, of, I mean, I even got rid of pork, right? When I, when I quit all this stuff. Mm. And the thing for me was this was a mass exodus of, of, of everything that once was, everything that they told me to be. The world lied so much that I was living in anxiety and depression. Yes. And this position, this jump to the life coach, this who I am today is uh, 2017 again is when I made the shift, the shift, the, the the big shift. And it's been, it's been, I've been slowly, 
I want to say I, I came crashing in like the Kool-Aid man, which I kind of did. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then I had nowhere to go. So now yeah. I'm on the other side of things and I'm totally lost because it's totally foreign. So I didn't yeah. just hit the gas and go in one direction. I just I kind of creeped around for a bit. And now I've, I'm firmly speeding down the road. So I know kind of where, where it's all about. But to get rid of anxiety, to get rid of depression, to understand who you are, the world had to collapse. And, and this is one of those things where we talk about uh, one of my, one of my running jokes in the show is, is, I mean, everything that you've talked about, I'm sure you're very familiar with Tom Hanks and his triad. Mm, mm. Uh, so I've always said um, that Tom Hanks being the running joke, Tom Hanks being the guy that got my initial show pulled. Cause it was the, that we did, we, oh. we, I quote right in there. I put right in the title, Tom Hanks and adrenochrome and all this sort of stuff. And we went right yeah. in it. That'll do it. And so, and that, <laughs> okay, so this was the biggest episode, right? So we had this episode that went in. This was only like, at the time, I think it was episode 14 or 15. But by the time we were at episode 24, the that episode had over 200,000 downloads. Wow. So, wow. So the world wanted to know, and it was that episode that got us pulled uh, for sure, because too many people. I may have heard, I may have heard of that episode. It's possible. It doesn't exist anymore. Well, it does. Yeah. I've got it on my computer. But uh, it doesn't exist anymore, um, and that so this thing this thing went massively viral, and um, and yeah, a ton of hate came from it, which makes you realize at yeah. the time when you're attacked like that, you're like shit. This is terrible. These are real people sending me messages. But then the more you realize, it's probably just bots. And then when what's his mm. name Elon Musk went to buy Twitter, you realize that all of Twitter was a bot anyway. Yeah, right. So it was all influenced and, and, and manipulated, you know, from that get go. I kind of lost my train of thought, but this all trails okay. back to Prison Planet, which was if the celebrities were only eating green jelly beans, none of us would have paid attention to what they were doing. Nobody would have cared mm -hmm. if the biggest thing was they were eating green jelly beans. So why I say that is because it is inside the pain that they caused and inside the observation that we made of them that we understood ourselves a little bit better. We understood our place in this world a little bit better. And we understood this world a little bit better. So there's other there's another thing too that was that was talked about which was the elites and how they have to tell you what they're doing and it's all part mm -hmm. of the game that they're playing and they have to show yes. this that and the other thing. Revelation of the method. Exactly. And uh Dale Carnegie did was it Dale Carnegie um uh, outwitting the devil was Oh, Napoleon Hill. I have Napoleon that. Napoleon Hill. So this is a conversation with one of those elites and outwitting the devil is is an elite sharing massive amounts of information. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. And if you haven't heard Outwitting the Devil in a while, I strongly suggest you put it back on. I have, I, have a, I have the book right there. Well, there you go. So mm. it is literally a conversation with an elite. I have another wow. one too, a transcript uh, right on my page. I'll bring it up and I'll send you the link. Um, it's uh, the 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 Helluride, I want to believe it's called. Anyway, it's um, it's another conversation with with the elites. Um, and it's like, you know, we, we're not going to forego, we're not going to give up any information. You have to ask specific questions, uh, but we'll answer them. Um, and these things, these things are fascinating. So when they start sharing sort of what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing. And he goes on to say inside this, this article that they don't want to do it, but it's the contract that they signed to help wake us up. I've, so I've heard this theory. All of these evil doers, quote unquote, out there are doing what they're doing because we signed on to this hashtag, quote unquote, soul contract. Yeah, it's a deep new age belief. Hashtag new age. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So I'm pulling from this, but I'm, I'm again, like you said, I'm pulling what I like. I don't care much for crystals. I don't care much for this or that. Astrology is kind of neat. There's some interesting things in numerology. I don't understand it per se, but you know, I've, I've had some charts read on me, which are mind blowing. Right. So I mean, it's all a math. It's all there. It's all something, but 
if these guys weren't here to be assholes to wake us up, it's like it's all part of the game that we're playing. And I, that, I, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, I continue. Finish your thought. So that was the prison planet that I'm saying. Like we're here, we're doing this. We're we're sort of captivated by this this idea, this moment. We we live in our own prison based on the ideas that we that we have. We can't do this. Don't park here. You'll get a ticket. You'll get towed. Don't do this. Don't do that. We self judge. We self quarantine. We 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 do all these things. We you know we do what we're told to do because we don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's somebody out there that does know what we're capable of. There's somebody out there that does know all of the things that we can do. And it's them that's in charge of the television. It's them that's in charge of. Uh, all of the things that we're allowed to ingest. And I've always said a thousand times over, there's a, if there's a, if there's a hundred things arbitrarily that we're allowed to talk about or that we can talk about or topics for discussion, humanity only knows about six of them. And we talk about them ad nauseum in multiple different facets and ads, but there's mm-hmm. so many more things out there. And if you venture into any of those things, they call you names, conspiracy theorists, what happened? Mm-hmm. Job. Yeah. Tinfoil hatter. <sighs> Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up that, um, that idea that, that, um, that these people have signed a, that we've signed onto a soul contract in order to facilitate our our awakening, because this is, because this is, this is important. So, um, and I haven't heard that idea in a while. I'm familiar with it. There's a, there's other material called, um, hidden hand and wing makers is another one. Um, so, cause I explored a lot of these ideas too. Okay. So, um, I'm going to talk my way through this. So the idea is that in order to facilitate human awakening, that these people need to inflict need. We've signed on. We've asked them. We've contracted with them to inflict massive suffering on the human race in order to facilitate our awakening, because that's what they're doing. Like they're inflicting massive suffering in terms of like child sex trafficking, EMF pollution, you know, plastics, everything like it's the war is total. It's this total war against all aspects of what it means to be a human body, mind, heart, and spirit. And we have signed a contract with them in order to ask them to persecute us so that we can awaken. That's the idea. Right. I think that idea is profoundly dark and is also blaming the victim and is Stockholm syndrome thinking like, oh, if we're doing this to you, it's because you asked for it. It's like, you know, since, since, I th- this is a this is not a family friendly show. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. Oh, because, we're very family friendly, ladies. Okay. Yeah, yes. So <laughs> so uh, well. So you know what I mean. So so the thing is the this idea like oh yeah no all these ways that we're abusing all of humanity like it's just to get you to wake up, it's just to get you to wake up. It's just to get and so it's like when you look at the past couple 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 years twenty twenty until today, as the dial has been turned up to eleven, like yeah people are waking up. But the amount of suffering and death that's been created, you know, is is extreme to the point now people even even people who had denied the existence of evil previously are like, okay, this is kind of crazy what's going on. And so I think that's an actually inverted picture of what's going on. The, The actual the actual picture of what's going on is that we as humans, there there is actually a better way to wake up rather than being persecuted through suffering. Uh, by 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 being subject to suffering, by being tortured, the other way to wake up is is through Christianity. It's through the process of sin and repentance and baptism, and then sanctification and regeneration of the heart. That is the direction of of true freedom. And so, what you'll see is that the people who believe that we've signed a soul contract and we need to torture you now, when you say, "Well, I think I'm going to go over there to Christianity," what they say is, "Don't do that. No, you don't want to do that. That's the really bad stuff." 
which is exactly what evil would say, right? Is to prevent us from actually going down the path that lies towards true freedom. And so when you talk about the prison plant, you talk about Satan, like Satan is the one saying, no, no, you need me. You need me to wake up. It's like, wake up to what? Wake up to your divi- your original divinity? Like, no, no. Like, that's a, that's, a, that's a mistaken set of beliefs that binds you into this contract with him. Like, okay, no, I need you to torture me. Make, make me suffer in order so that I can awaken instead of like, no, it, it can be this, just this easy going and accepting sin and repentance. If we're willing to give, and you said Christianity is restrictive. Yes, it is. But it's only restrictive towards things that aren't good for us in the first place. Like Christianity doesn't say you can't do these things because it's arbitrary. You can't do, you can't, the things that Christianity says not to do are bad for us. I'll give you an example, promiscuity, right? We're see, we can't miss the impact of, of sexual, uh, sexual liberation on, and the negative impact on men and women today. You can't. There's a book by Dr. E. Michael Jones, another guy who gets called a conspiracy theorist called Libido Dominandi that talks about the 250 or so year process to create, to sexually liberate everybody and then to politically enslave them. Like that's the trade-off. We will sexually liberate you and then we'll politically enslave you, right? That's the whole book is about that. You'll love it. It's an excellent book, exquisitely researched. And so that promiscuity isn't actually good for us. Like, yeah, it feels good, but it's not actually good for us. So when Christianity says, yeah, don't do that, it's like, it's, it, don't do that because I say so. Because if you do that, you're going to hurt yourself, right? And so, and so the, the restriction that people bristle up against, and again, I've been to Burning Man and I've seen, and, and, and I've seen many of the things and participated in some of them where it's like, yeah, no, you can't tell me what to do. It's like, ultimately, I realized that I was doing something self-defeating. And so I was able to give all those things up to experience true freedom and to transcend, uh, to, to exit this paradigm of, I need to be actively persecuted and over to over to awaken. It's like, no, I can, I can, I can be free of all that. If I just accept my freedom and, and say, I'm sorry, and give up a few things called sin in the process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm not, okay. So again, I, I'm not knocking that. Uh, yeah. I like it. I just don't think it works. And, and this is where it's like, it's totally cool that, that I'm allowed to have that thought. Of course. Like your, your thought works too. Um, for me, I gave up promiscuity. Uh, I gave up, um, Oop. all and I, I didn't, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to accuse. That wasn't, a, that was, that was just an example. Oh, I never took it that way. Okay, cool. Um, I, um, because we never even touched on it. So you wouldn't know. Okay. Um, but I gave up, uh, promiscuity. I gave up indulgence. Um, I gave up, uh, a lot and it wasn't that I'd come to Christ. Uh, it was that I had walked away. And when you mm-hmm. say things like when you or sorry, when, when, when the, not you say, when the message is, you know, uh, go over there and, and do it without pain. Um, my personal teacher was pain. Absolutely. I suffered, I suffered greatly mm-hmm. until I didn't. And now I understand what you're saying, how you could literally just go and give up, um, repent, I give up, but like repent and, 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 and forego sin and, and accept Jesus into your life. Um, I, when Jesus was in my life was in the most amount of pain. Mm. Uh, and it's not that he's not in my life right now, because I'm not saying I don't believe in Jesus or I don't believe in this because I love the idea that there's something. Um, now what it is, I don't know. Uh, uh, but when you said too, that it sounds like the devil would say, don't do those things. I, in my quote unquote, new age mentality, um, 
and I again I use the term new age so loosely I don't even like that label yeah we don't have a language to describe what we're talking about but I, I know what you mean yeah um I uh I believe that there's a high likelihood that the devil wrote the Bible right mm. if the devil's real uh and then I believe that the devil wrote the Bible and if God is real as he's delivered through Christianity then why wouldn't he just eradicate the devil so I'm glad that you brought that up because I want to speak to that because it, it solves the problems we're talking about. Go ahead. Okay. So there are holes in every single story, which which is the amazing part of the story because with those holes, you're allowed to create a truth. You're allowed to solve the puzzle. And in my life, the greatest thing that I've ever had is the ability to solve the puzzle. I mm. love problem solving. Sure, yeah. And this, to me, is, is the greatest problem in the entire world. Mm-hmm. The problem of evil. <laughs> no, the problem of life. Oh, well, yeah. exist. Too is the number one thing that needs to be solved, mm-hmm. right? And it's not good and it's not evil because again, good and evil is also fluid, right? Mm. If, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So from a Christian, from a Christian standpoint, yeah. Right. But I'll tell you this right now from a, from a non-Christian standpoint, if I knew ahead of time that you were going to be responsible and nobody can know this, but if sure, you were going to be responsible for killing my entire family, you drove into my family who was in one van, they were all in there and you killed them all. Mm. If I knew that I could save my entire family by killing you first, I would be in a predicament. I'd be in a predicament. But you, I mean, it's not possible for you to know that. Like, so, so it's like, it's, it's an, it's like an unanswerable, it's an answer. If I knew that, like, it's, it's literally impossible that you would, that you would know that because You're we don't have the it's vision. It's Kobayashi Maru. It is. It is. It's like, it's like, it's a, it's a hypothetical situation that, that itself has a flaw at the center of it because we don't, we don't have knowledge of the future. None of us do. Mm-hmm. So like you would never be, it would be impossible for you to be put in that situation where you would be forced to confront that. Like, this is what the, this is what the uh, movie minority report is about with Tom Cruise, right? Where it's like, how can you convict someone of a crime they haven't committed? Oh, we looked into the future. It's like, well, the future is at best, you know, well, at best probabilities as a whole, like what the future is a whole longer conversation. But I mean, you would never be able to know that as a thing. So the hypothetical, what you're, I get what you're trying to set up that like, it would put you in a moral quandary between taking a, a, an innocent life, because I am innocent at that point, mm-hmm. for, to protect other innocent lives, but you would never actually be put in that situation. True, true. So it, yeah, again, hypothetical, but I mean, again, good and evil, they're Maybe it's not fluid, you know, but, you know, for the most part, it's subjective. Anyhow, um, I, like, I mean, look at the government. Let's look at the government for a minute. Let's get all, all that political <laughs> in Canada. I'm a terrorist. I am a domestic terrorist because no joke. Yeah. Because, because I speak against Trudeau and he has called me out. Maybe not by name. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, but he has called me out as a domestic terrorist. And I'm not a bad person, but right. to the eyes of anyone who listens to him, I'm the devil. They can't find a single person who Jeffrey Epstein sold a child to, but they know if you donated $25 to the truckers in Ontario and in Canada. Right. Mm-hmm. So why are we allowing evil to run the world? Well, because and that, that is the big question. The problem of evil, the prison planet that we come, that we come back to. Back to the prison planet. Right. Okay. So the, the, the dynamic of, of pain and suffering causing what we'll say transcendence is a real dynamic. Like you can see it like, yes, you know, my periods of personal growth for everyone's personal growth, 2020 was one of the best years of my life. And I know lots of men that have said the same. Yeah. 2020 sucked as a year. Right. But we all had this experience of, wow, by suffering, we grew. That is, that is a real thing. 
right? Now, now, why does that happen? Why does that appear to be a thing? It appears to be a thing. The 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 new the new age quote uh, worldview that that you communicated that philosophy that you communicated was that that suffering creates growth means that we have asked for suffering, right? Right? Like we've we've worked with the devil, say you know, or evil, whatever, to say make us suffer so we can grow. Okay, that 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 explains the true dynamic that suffering causes growth. Christianity's explanation of that is that God allows the devil allows evil to exist because ultimately it serves his end in glory. Ultimately, this uh, this suffering dynamic is permitted to exist by God because over time he will only make good things come out of it. And you can see this, you can see this in the book The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. It was the prequel sort of to The Lord of the Rings. In the very beginning, and Tolkien was Catholic, and everyone loves Tolkien. So, in the Lord of the Rings, like it's part of us as a society and a part of us as men. So, in the beginning of the Silmarillion, he actually tells that story that the god of the of of uh, Middle Earth, the, the god who created Middle Earth, is called Eru Iluvatar, and Eru Iluvatar creates uh, a, a whole bunch of other creative beings. One of whom is Melkor, and Melkor decides that he's just going to do his own thing. And Eru Iluvatar says to Melkor, Melkor is like you know is like the, the the mentor of Sauron later. So Mel, Melkor is like the devil in, in Middle-earth. He says, you will see Melkor, and I can actually pull up the quote because I wrote it down. You will see that these things that you do will feed into even greater good than you can imagine. So whereas the, the New Age philosophy that you're talking about says, we have contracted with evil to make us suffer so we grow, God looks at that and says, I allow suffering to exist because it makes people grow, which will ultimately serve my greater glory, but evil has no independent existence of its own. It only serves the good. So it, it gives a different kind of perspective on it. Not that we've asked for suffering, but that God allows it to exist because it does facilitate his glory. But there is a way out of that. There is a way out of that level of suffering where we're no longer bound to the devil. And that's the story that Christianity tells. So it looks at the same thing and gives a slightly different answer to it. Not that we've asked for suffering, because we haven't, but that it's allowed to exist by God because it does make us better, but that's not the end of the story. I think another thing too um, that I have to ask when when accepting God as my uh, savior is I'm a firm believer in infinite greatness and infinite smallness. And the question then- I need would, you to unpack that for me. Uh, I need you to unpack that for me. Okay. Um. Infinite smallness is we can take a microscope and zoom in on something. I remember recently, like in the summertime, somebody like thinly sliced a hot dog. You saw this meme, <laughs> and they zoomed in on this fucking thing. And there's uh -oh. like a, an organism inside living in the hot dog, but it was like so mm -hmm. microscopic, but it was alive in the hot dog. Um, and people like freaked out because there, there's something moving inside the hot dog on an absolute microscopic scale. Yeah, same. I've got an apple sitting here next to me. The same is probably true. Of course, you could you could zoom in on that, and there'd be there'd be an organism in there living. Mm -hmm. right? That's infinite smallness, and that it can keep going into the quantum realm because we can start mm -hmm. talking about quantum mechanics, mm -hmm. quantum physics, quantum entanglement is all things that they've talked about being provable, mm -hmm. um, and and that's all fascinating, absolutely fascinating. So, wherein. <clears throat> The story gets interesting is when we go into infinite greatness. 
if you and I have the ability to stick our eyeball up to something and, and take a look inside your apple and see a worm, uh, hello, my baby, hello, my honey, hello, my <laughs> something above us has the ability to zoom in on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we were created in God's own image. Do you, do you like uh, superheroes at all? Do you like the superhero story? Do you watch the movies? Some of them. Some of them. Marvel. The, yeah, the Captain, Captain America Winter Soldier Soldier is pretty good. Civil War was pretty good, too. Some you know of them the, are better than... Do you know the new one's called? Woke Garbage. Yeah. New World Order. Yeah. Captain America right. New World Order. They're not even hiding it anymore. Uh, That's a whole other topic. Is it going to have Is it gonna have uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Robert? Was his name? I don't remember his name. No, is, no. Is no they got the other guy. They, they've got the black guy in it now. Um, uh, Anthony Mackie. Uh, Oh and gosh, that, okay. And so that was that With was his terrible costume. That's the most ugliest costume. He's no longer the Falcon. He's now he's now Captain America. Oh, of and course, because so, the Little Mermaid is also yeah black. And here's the funny thing too: if we just simply if we and this is where the world gets upset when I say this: if we just simply stop being led by the media, racism goes away. Uh, I yes and no. I mean, I mean, like, like the, the, the capital R racism, that's the biggest scourge in the universe right now that goes away for sure. But like yes. racism is a thing around the world. It's just only in America where we're made to feel really, really, really terrible about it. Well, okay. So, so racism, you know, I mean, shit, we're off topic and I can get, I can get on the topic of racism, but it's a whole thing. It, it's a, it's a taught trait, right? You are the result of your programming as a human. Mm-hmm. So you wake up in the morning as a child, you don't hate somebody based on the color of their skin. You're taught that shit. Yeah, and okay. That's true. So, so today, day one, we turn the media off, racism goes away. Um, and 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 generations down the road, it's gone. Right. But what we're doing right now is perpetuating it in on, on Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Different I get levels. it. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, uh, what the hell was I talking about? Oh yeah, infinite greatness and infinite smallness. <laughs> Captain <laughs> America. <laughs> We're everywhere, yeah. baby. Where we are. So, off-roading. Exactly. But that's what that's what these conversations, that's what they're great for. And so so the 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 infinite greatness um is something above us looking down on us. We're just an organism in somebody else's hot dog right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So what does that have to say? <laughs> you know, what does that have to say about God? And and that to me is is the thing. Like, yeah, we were created, sure, and in his image, but but infinite greatness and infinite smallness have to be examined. We've got this mm. arrogance about us on this planet that 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 okay, so first of all, I'll say this too. Your red pill was that document that uh, who was it that the Greenbaum speech? Greenbaum. I'll send it to you for the show show notes. I'll take a look at that for sure. It's amazing. Um, my biggest red pill, aha, Jesus, effing Christ, uh, sort of take the Lord's name in vain, was the flat Earth. Oh wow! Here we go. So I don't believe in flat Earth now. Okay, I absolutely. Oh, I see. But I don't believe in globe Earth either. Okay, so. Now, for me, I look at this and I and I take that red pill as in these motherfuckers lied to us about absolutely everything, mm-hmm. right? And when you start looking into it, there is zero proof of curvature anywhere, in any mm-hmm. capacity, at any point. And that, to me, is is very interesting because that then ties into the Truman Show. They've done a ton of stuff with regards to um, uh all of this pre-programming as to what is, how did, how did universal studios know what the globe was beforehand? Yada, yada, yada. Why is, why is, uh, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. Yeah, on yeah. But once you start looking into it, there is no proof of the curve. Um, flat earth in and of itself had its holes. Uh, but then you got to look into concave earth. You got to look into hollow earth. You got to look into all of these other possibilities. Mm. And there are some truths 
to all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with regards to like the black cube Saturn, uh, the black sun. It's a whole thing. Yeah, the black sun and all that new age stuff that goes into that. Uh, and all of these people, like, and they say, they say um, Satan is actually the the mother god, uh, and and it's it's the god Saturn, uh, and she is the mother healer. But she's been Saturn is Saturn is yeah. Oh, okay. She's been bastardized by this, and they say the black the black sun uh, the black sun of Saturn the black cube is actually the night sky, right? So when we look up at the sky, where if you picture uh, instead of us looking being a, a ball looking out at an expanse. We're literally a, um, a uh, an inverted ball looking into a black sky, so something inside of it, mm. like the, like the jelly feeling of a donut. Mm. Mm. Um, and so that's that is the black sun. Uh, Soundgarden saying of it, black hole sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about a, that. yeah, yeah. That's it's the black a, sun big, that they're talking about. It's an occult. It's an occult uh, Nazi symbol as well. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the Nazi symbol once was a, a symbol of love and all that sort of stuff, and then it was bastardized. It's a swastika. The swastika, yeah, the swastika is uh, the four poles. It also stems from um, the ability to find um, Eden, uh, so the Garden of Eden on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been removed from the maps that we've been able to see, but that swastika was the four rivers leading into the four continents, leading into Mm -hmm. the center island, which was Eden. Um, So that whole thing has been bastardized. Our entire history has been bastardized, but I've been trying to get to (laughs) infinite greatness, infinite smallness with with regards to your precious God. Now, uh, I joke when I say that stuff because it's I love the it. idea and, and at no point would I ever say he can't exist. And that's one of those things where that, you know, I will, I will firmly put my foot down and say everything's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but infinite, infinite. And actually I'll tie this in. <laughs> I'll mm-hmm. go both ways. So infinite smallness, we zoom in, we zoom in, we zoom in. Science has zoomed in to the atom, which is the building block of society. The atoms that built your skin suit also built this desk and this pen and this webcam that I'm talking mm. through. Mm. The atom built that. And mm-hmm. inside the atom is quarks, quarks, and quasons, mm-hmm. which are electricity. So the building block of society mm-hmm. is the atom. The building block of the atom is electricity. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that we currently exist on the holodeck, i.e. Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And most of, is most of matter makes, is empty space. Yeah. That to me is the one thing that makes the most sense out of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ability to have this conversation is absolutely enjoyable because of it. Now, mm-hmm. infinite greatness, humanity, to those who believe in the globe, also believe that any aliens that will come to us are of the same size as us. Yet we've all seen that that roaming gif of like, this is you, this is Earth, this is Mars, mm-hmm. this is the sun, this is the red star Demetrius, this is the blue mm-hmm, star mm-hmm. solar polar uh, anus redemption. This is the mega <laughs> uber duper star. Yeah. So the thing that I would say is they've also told us that space is forever expanding for, uh, you know, uh, round earth, flat galaxy space constantly grows and everything. And, nah, nah, nah. and then in Christianity and, and God knows the positioning of every single star in the sky, blah, 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 mm-hmm. which is probable because the stars in the sky have never changed since the dawn of time, regardless mm-hmm. of us flying through infinite space and spinning around a, the heliocentric God, um, sun god's sun the helios um etc 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 so if we were to be that planet in space flying through space and we were worried about aliens invading us and taking our natural resources making it a personal thing oh god they're after us specifically right technically because those planets are huge the beings on those planets would be equally as huge and we on earth would literally be space dust to one of their ships 
that could just fly by in the infinite space size that is space, the infinite. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So to me, our own audacity has limited our belief and our ability to, to cognitively see what could possibly be. Are we going to okay. be invaded by aliens with regards to new age or it's a whole uh, thing. Have we already been? Of course we, we will be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Where we I are mean, space as, as delivered in my opinion, doesn't exist. Mm. Aliens are called extraterrestrials for a reason. The idea that there's extra earth beyond the ice walls. I firmly believe in, um, I believe a lot of our answers are inside the moon, not inside it, but within like by being, being able to look at it, I believe it's going to tell us a lot. I I agree that the moon, there's a lot to the moon. It's a very complicated subject. It's it's stunning. It's beautiful. Um, It's, it's the mystery that just hangs above our, you know what the moon is to me? Mm. You remember the magic eye back in the day and they Mm -hmm. were in all the malls. And if you stared at it, it was like garbage. And then it just became like a sailboat or some shit. I've never been able to do that, but I know that that's a thing. I'll teach you one day. So that, uh, that's what the moon is. I take so many pictures of the moon and I've got a high powered camera. And when you look at it and you train your eye to see it differently than they've told you how to, how it's delivered, you can see so many different things in your brain. You're, you know, your brain's trying to compute something different, but it's, it's just not there. You're mm-hmm. staring at the truth in plain sight. And one day it'll come, it'll be, it'll be made clear, but mm. what it is, I don't know, but I'm fascinated by it. So Again, I don't really know where I was going, but I covered a lot. That's of- okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. I love all this stuff. Wow. So, okay, we can we can go after. You want to talk about infinite uh, infinite greatness and infinite smallness? Hot dogs. Okay, hot dogs. <laughs> okay, so so the the Christian story, and I, I, I'm going to phrase this as a dialogue between two worldviews. So sure. that so that so that okay, so the Christian story is that we actually aren't that significant of beings, humans. You know, there's a big, there's a big galaxy out there, you know, galaxy universe, there's so much going on, you know, right. But the paradox of the Christian story is that for as unimportant as humans are in the grand cosmic scale, as unimportant as we are, God still felt that we were important enough to take on human form and to suffer and die, suffer horribly and die for our mistake, Adam's mistake in the garden. That even though we're the le- perhaps the least significant and most broken creatures in the entire universe, that God still loved us so much to come down, take on human form, suffer and die for our sins as a race to redeem us and bring us closer to him. And that's the paradox. That we mean nothing at all, but at the same time, God still loves us enough to suffer and die for us. So much so that even the angels are like, look, we don't get it. Like they're just humans. There's so much else going on. Why would God himself come down and take on human form to rescue this, this, um, this broken race? But that's how much God loves his creation of us. That's the paradox that's so difficult to reconcile. No, in the grand scheme of things, we don't mean anything. But in the grand scheme of things, we still mean so much to God enough that he would come down as Christ and suffer and die for us. That's the paradox that's very difficult to reconcile. And the paradox is only, re- is only resolved with the notion of what it means to be a father, like the, the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son, you know, the, 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 the dad is there with all of his kids. And then one son goes off and ends up like eating with pigs in the trough and then comes back. And the father's like, welcome back. Oh my gosh, here, have my ring and come back into the feast. You know, my son is back. And that can only resolve. That's how God, the father looks at us 
that we as a race, as a whole species, have gone off to really feed in the pig's trough with drugs and alcohol and promiscuity and all these, these different things that aren't good for us. When we come back to God, God says, you still mean so much to me. And that's the only, only possible to understand that as a father, which I hear you saying that you are. I'm not a father yet. No, no, but not, cer- not a father. You're not. Okay. But certainly like you, you know fathers know. like that, or you can imagine within yourself, you know, what it's like, like even, I, even my most lost son, I still, or child, I still love enough to welcome him back into the fold if he's willing to give up his ways that are counterproductive because he can't come into my house and eat at the pig's trough, but I don't want him to. I want him to come and eat at the banquet table with me and not be in the pig's trough. And that's the paradox that Christianity presents to humanity is even though we're lost and fallen and broken and sinful and angry and vindictive and bitter and victim consciousness and all that, when we repent and come back to God, he welcomes us back because we still mean enough for him to die for us. Like what a gift. That's the power of it. And it means we're profoundly not alone in the cosmos. But the that, so, that solves the paradox, just, just to close the thought, that solves the paradox of greatness and smallness. Yes, we are profoundly small, meaninglessly small, like the organism in the food, but still so important as, creation, as, cre- as creatures that God would suffer and die for us. And that's incredible to me. Unless you're gay. Well, no, he still suffered and died, but you can't, you, you have to give up you have to give up your sinful behavior. Homosexual, like, like who knows where homosexuality comes from? There's lots of information about where a lot of it comes from. But like, yeah, that's Yeah. But the thing is, it's like, it, it's like when you, t- when you listen to really good preachers. I meant the injection, not the planet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Uh, so, no, it is a whole thing. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, listening to this right now, that was a joke. Uh, I was making light of a situation. But there is validity in that. Our insanities yeah. and our brain and the way our, our brains are wired, um, they're saying that you know that, that the vaccines and the things that they've stuck in us and the stuff that they put in our food and the shit that we've ingested for a copious amount of time um, have been absolutely detrimental. There's something called um, fluoride nitrate or something like that. It's not this typical fluoride that you find in the water. Mm-hmm. There is a fluoride something. I can't remember the, to- the term right now. It's worth looking up. It is attracted to aluminum. Um, and so when you ingest small particles of this fluoride through your oral orifices, and then you put on deodorant your entire life, that's got aluminum yeah. in it, and yeah. the de- deodorant is connected to very closely connected to a lot of your arteries with regards in, into your heart. You yeah. are drawing oh, under the arms. Exactly. You are drawing through the aluminum. You're magnetizing this fluoride compound in, and it's, uh, basically it's pulling through your brain. It's pulling through your body. It's going, the, the, the aluminum is going into your body through your, through your biggest pores. Uh, and it's where the Alzheimer's is coming from. It's where the heavy mm. metal, heavy metal poisoning is, is one of these things that's consistent. Oh, I believe that. I've, I stopped wearing deodorant a couple of years ago. I don't need it. Like, you know, you stop dressing up your body and all these corrosive chemicals. You stop smelling bad. No one, I mean, no one tells me I smell bad anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You smell great. Where are all my friends? <laughs> um, cuts, I know, but and I know close, that man. I know yeah. <laughs> that hurts, man. That hurts, man. That hurts. <laughs> I, but I, I know this, right? I, I, like the idea that we smell um, is is entertaining. Like the humanity has pubic hair to capture the essence of your pubic region and mm. to create that pheromone that makes you attractive to the other, the opposite right, side. Right. Right. That exists in, in our own DNA for that reason. So you want to smell, you know, it's like for years and years and years, did humanity always, were we born with showers? No, you, you, you hose yourself off if you got into a lake at some point, right? You, yeah, found, you find, oh, I found a river. Exactly. 
But for the most part, you know, humanity didn't have natural indoor plumbing. So all of the stuff that we talk about, and it's all vanity, it's all, it's all the media. It's, it's the exact same thing that you and I have been talking about this whole time. You wear your face paint, you wear your makeup, you wear your ball cap, you, you know, you do your beard a certain way, you wear cologne, you, you know, whatever it is, because you feel inadequate because the world through the television has made you feel inadequate. Mm. Imagine, mm-hmm. imagine if tomorrow morning, every female on the planet woke up absolutely in love with herself. Mm. how many companies would just go out of business, mm-hmm. right? That's one of the things that nobody really truly grasps or understands that no matter what's going on and no matter how great we want to talk about the men, the women, the this, the that, we're all under attack from the television. We're all under attack from from the media, from this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. And this is one of those things where it's been for the longest time, it's been them against us, but it's also been them making us against us. Yes, Bryce. Right. And, and the thing is, all these things that you're describing, aluminum salts, fluoride, under attack for the media, all these things, right, that we all agree on. The worldview that you communicated said that we've asked for that. Yeah. Like, that's the part that it's like, no, we didn't ask for that. Now, it's part of reality that we can't deny. But to say like, yes, please abuse me more. I need more and more and more. Pollute my body, you know, castrate my children, you know, inject this into my bloodstream, blast EMF at my head, you know, pollute my food, make me ashamed of existence, create so much suffering. That's what I need to wake up. Hit me more. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, that's the you, part where I, yeah. You say that and then you're like, no. I hear you saying that. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly no. what's happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, because, well, look, has it like that that amount of suffering that's being created, has it created the the opposite amount of awakening? Now, it's one thing to be aware to the nature of reality, to have mental awareness. It's another thing to be so holy because the amount of suffering we're all under is so much. Have we actually become holy as a result of it? No, we wake up, we wake up, we see reality, we speak truth, we become confident and grounded, but we don't become holy because what's being done to us is unholy. I think we can agree that unholy things are being done to us. Is it making us holy in response? No, it's making us awake, but that's not the same thing as holy. And that's where the suffering that's inflicted doesn't end up in the, in the right level of return. It's not balanced right? The only way that we become holy is through sanctification and regeneration through Christ. So we can wake up. And that's what happened as I woke up and I realized all this stuff and it got me to a point, but it wasn't until it was, it wasn't until I got baptized and started becoming a practicing Christian that I actually started becoming holy in response, not to the degree that I would ever say that I'm holy in any way, but where I started feeling that in myself, like, no, there's something really good and pure and true within me that I have to share that's completely different from head awareness that comes from the heart that comes from within me. And that's what Christianity promises. Right. And that, that isn't delivered by the amount of suffering that's created by we might say the contract. Right. I absolutely adore this conversation because we are literally saying the exact same thing, but coming to totally different places. Cool. Now my question to you is well, twofold. Actually, I want to bring something up. You talked about God repenting for our suffering for Adam's decision. God's suffering for, he didn't repent. He, he had nothing to repent for. We have to repent, but suffering down, suffering as a, as a, for humans, a human sacrifice for human sin. Okay. And so, yeah, yeah. No, it matters because, because we could never say we're going to pick 
you know, Tom over there, Tom, you're going to be the scapegoat for all our sin and we're going to sacrifice you. That wouldn't work. So God's like, okay, I'll do it myself. Like if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself, <laughs> right? right? That's, <laughs> there's a lot of that in Christianity too. So uh, my question then is, is, is if Adam, um, if Adam, wait a second, if Eve ate the apple. And Adam, yeah. What's that? Adam and Eve both did. She started it. But he let her. Well, who's eating the apple now? Me. <laughs> <laughs> so, if Eve ate the apple, why is why is why did it get stuck in Adam's throat? I don't know what you mean. Well, all men have an Adam's apple, but Eve's the one that ate the apple. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that's a, that's an interesting question. That's a good one. Now, another one too is well, because is, okay, I can give you an answer because ultimately the covenant that God made was with Adam, not with Eve. So Adam let Eve eat the apple. Eve ate the apple and she's like, and here's the thing, here's what I think was going on. God had said, if you eat the apple, you will surely die. And so Eve goes over and gets tempted by the serpent. Adam is there. It's pretty clear from the language. Adam's there. He's watching that happen. He's like, I wonder what's going to happen. And then she eats it and she doesn't die. He's like, oh, okay. And then he eats the apple and then God comes down and is like, what'd you do? And the cut, because the contract was not between uh, God and Eve, but between God and Adam. So if Eve had eaten the apple and Adam was like, and she swallowed, he's like, I'm not going to do that and crush the head of the serpent. And God had come down and he's like, what happened? He's like, oh, Eve ate the apple. I'm sorry. I'll take responsibility for it. We'd all be good. But it was because Adam broke his covenant with God. And so maybe the Adam's apple is because as a reminder, like, hey, remember that thing that you did? Wasn't a good idea. So another thing with 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 religion in that sense too is... um. Well, two things. You denounced soul contracts and then talked about Adam's soul contract, first off. Secondly, it was a covenant. It was a covenant that God had well, it was a covenant that God had made with Adam. It's with, I know. I'm, I'm busting your balls, but it's relatively yeah. the same thing. What is it? It's mad, it matters, but yeah, I get it. Semantics. Uh also the reversal, the bastardization of these things. Now, I want to talk. I'm gonna talk I'm gonna jump. I don't know how much time you have, but like we're about twenty minutes over the standard hour. That's but, fine. That's fine. Right. I can I haven't I have until uh it's it's twelve thirty now. I have until around one thirty. There you go. Um, I don't know how long we're going to go, but the Adam, uh, and Adam and Eve, uh, the, the reversal, the bastardization of this, uh, is that, uh, Adam created Eve from, no, God created God Eve created from Adam's rib because it is not good for a man to be alone. Right. But now the truth of the matter is every single person on this planet has passed through the gateway of a woman. Mm-hmm. So the initial story is that the woman came from the man, yet everyone comes from the woman. Mm. An interesting reversal, an interesting reversal. Now, to, there's no need to expand upon that. But my question sure. to you, um, now back into a quote unquote conspiracy, you know, of it all. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the transvestigations? Um, the transvestigations. So, <laughs> the implication that that uh, celebrities aren't male or female. Oh, I've heard a lot of this. Yeah, it's, yeah. This is, this gets into like the whole cloning thing, which is like, oh, that's just, uh, yeah. I mean, I've heard, I've heard a lot of this. Yes. Right. So now again, all of these things are every last thing that we've talked about is a possibility, right? Until sure. we get out of here, there's no, there's no factual anything. That makes sense based on their religion that they would, you know, that they would do. So my question things, is, yeah. my question is, if you put any thought into it, do you think that they are, what they appear to be on face value. Do you believe that the queen was a lizard? <laughs> I don't think the queen was. How great was that? <laughs> I mean, 
if it, I don't believe that the the queen was a was a was a lizard person. Like I I think that I think that that in many cases I, I don't think I think in many cases that's a metaphor for the um, inhuman, cold, calculating, power hungry behavior that we associate with lizards that a lot of the losers who run the world. Yeah. seen to exhibit because that's what i call them not the, they're not elite they're the losers who run the world now 100%. was that the queen i think that the queen was friends with jimmy savile is pretty sus <laughs> right like i mean like, like when you like oh jimmy savile like he was like, you look at the photos and all that stuff it's like okay so a lot of the people who are at the quote-unquote top of the power hungry the power hierarchy of the prison planet they aren't they don't exhibit human behavior they're cold they're calculating they're right. utterly ruthless and they, they, in a very real sense, like eat their young. And I think that's where this notion of lizard people comes from, that, that it's not like the movie V where they take off their mask and it's a lizard underneath. But that was, I mean, in plain sight, maybe, maybe. But I think what's definitely true to say is that many people at the highest echelons of power, perhaps even almost all of them, if not all of them, have a lizard-like inhuman cold quality, cold-blooded, right? It's a great answer. Uh, I would, I would, I would, and, and Satan that. was a serpent. Satan was a serpent. So there's yeah. that too. Right. And so this, this then lies, this then lies in the fact that humanity has been led to believe that, that we are the, um, the top of the food chain, but this is what I think, right. you know, I think that with regards to celebrity, like we've all seen those pictures of Jay-Z hanging out, you know, uh, in, in the 1800s or whatever. What? <laughs> also, Jay-Z? Jay-Z. Yeah, like celebrities are like over a hundred years old. I've not seen that. This is new. Oh, so yeah, there's all these pictures of all these celebrities that we know today, but like from the 1800s and, and all that oh. sort of stuff, like the all old timey. Okay. I haven't and seen like, those. Oh, it's doppelgangers. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Um, you know, but there's also, there's also the story of Tartarians. Uh, we've been fed the story of vampires our entire lives. That's the whole thing. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, the, the, the idea too, I, you know, I firmly believe that Hollywood has, you know, taken our truth from us and, and sold it back. I agree. To I agree. Right. And, you know, we've got things like Superman, for example, he takes his power from the red sun. Uh, all of sort yellow of sun. yellow sun of earth. Right. And, and this to me is, is the thing like there, you got Bill Gates over here trying to block out the sun. You know, when you go into, when you go into, uh, I mean, that's how, that's how matrix started, right? We don't know who started the war, but we do know who blocked out the sun. Right. You know? And so it's like, you know, there's a time where I would have been like, life is imitating art, but it's not. Art has always shown us a truth, a hidden truth. Mm-hmm. Inverted uh, upside down, backwards, clouded. Yeah. Always. Absolutely. And, and you look at this stuff and you're like, there's answers in that. And when you're crazy like me, you know, when you got all that aluminum in your blood, you, you know, you start looking for answers and you start talking about things you're not allowed to talk about. And you start seeing things you're not supposed to see. Then you start connecting the dots and then you start realizing shit. It's not even that they're not even hiding it. Like once you yeah. do start seeing it, you, you can't unsee it. Right. So, I mean, this, these are the things too, that, that people will say, and, and you even touched on here, like all of this stuff is like crazy. It's chaos. It's evil. It's dark. Yeah. You no, know, we're not here to do that. But I'll tell you from my experience that because of all of this and because of this absolute absurdity, I no longer suffer from anxiety or depression. Praise God. Because the anxiety and depression that I suffered was my truth, was my, was my essence, was my best I could say, my soul going against everything the world ever taught me. Mm, not you could feel like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. Exactly. Yeah. So now I am in a position where I'm, it, it, even to the point where they took the word woke, right? People right, were waking yeah. up on yeah. massive levels. And then all of a sudden it was woke culture. I'm like, bitch, you stole that. Like that, mm-hmm. you can't, you, like you bastardized waking up. Oh, you, oh, you're so woke. Oh, you're waking up. You're so woke. No, yeah. 
it's night and day. So you look at this and you're like, even the universe goes on to this. And when you talk about suffering, um, the way you talked about it, I see, here's another thing too, that I firmly believe in following the patterns. I started noticing patterns at a very young age. Um, I would say 1987's Mike Tyson's punch out. Mm. It took me a minute to realize that these guys are dropping patterns and you can just follow the patterns and walk through the game. Right. So that parlayed out into a lot of things in my life. Wait, say more about that. Cause I remember, I love Mike Tyson's punch out. Okay. So when was the last time you played it? Uh, it would be a while ago, but I did, I do, I did memorize the code to get to Mike Tyson on the bus and I can still remember it. Zero zero seven three seven three five nine six three. That'll get you to Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's punch out. Perfect. So yeah. I've got the game, um, somewhere. I've never in my life beaten Tyson. I just don't have the, I guess at the time I never had the dexterity. It's a whole but thing. Now you go back to that game and every single character that you, you meet up with is de- demonstrating a pattern. So you just repeat the pattern and you beat them. Yes. You, and you can just march through the game. Um, I've never beaten Tyson, but I, I'm able to march through the game for the most part. You spot the pattern, you see what they're doing and you just carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fascinating. So when you see these patterns and when you, and when you see this sort of this play out in, in real life or whatever we believe real life to be, yeah, you know, you're like, well, I can see it and I can walk through it. Got it. You know, I can see past these things. And and it's 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 pattern spotting that that is necessary. I firmly believe too in the pattern spotting and in the video game world. And this probably doesn't line up with Christianity. Um, but I believe in NPCs. I believe in non-player characters. I believe oh, yeah, that people- there. There are entities in this reality that are here to tell you where the map is for level four. But if you go on in life and you come back to them, they're still going to tell you roughly where the map is to level four. You know, they're never going to be able to, they're never going to outlive their programming. Sure. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a whole thing. I also believe that at one point we were NPCs, you know, and the desire to get there was a glitch in the sink. Uh, a prime example of that is the movie free guy with um, uh, what's his name? Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. It just came out, right? Yeah. So free guy is is literally the telling of awareness of waking up, of humanity waking up, going from a, an NPC to, to waking up. Now he was already asking questions. He was already glitched out because he was programmed different. But I think that that's the case. I believe that that I believe that we are energy, and I believe that that's that's what's happening. Mm. You know, I also believe that there's a very high likelihood that at the end of this, we click out. You know, when we pop out. We just take the helmet off and we're in some other room in some high school dorm and we've just been playing a game for five minutes. <laughs> I believe that that's highly probable as well. Sure. And that's that's the cool stuff because, you know, when we when we want to say things like God did this and God did that, it's probably true. And the interesting thing about that is God's different if you're a Muslim. God's different if you're an atheist. Right? So yeah. it, it's it's subjective. A Muslim and a Christian are both bowing to a higher power. Every, every, really, everybody on earth bows to a higher power. The question is, what is your higher power going to be? Is it going to be God the Father? Is it going to be money? Is it going to be you know a car? Is it going to be sex? Is it going to be the God of science? Like everyone, this is a thing. Every human being on earth worships something. And your choice is to either worship God. This is, the, this is what Christianity says. Your choice is to worship God or to worship literally anything else. Yeah. Those are your two choices. So, so Christianity says, this is the true God who created heavens and earth, all the heavens and all the earth and us, and gave us a story to live out. And you can worship that God, or you can worship literally anything else. 
And that's idolatry. So that's what Christianity says. And so my question to that is when it comes down to tangible religions, what makes them right versus what the Muslims say? Mm-hmm. Well, you when you investigate, so what I love about everything that you're saying in this conversation, whether it be infinite greatness and infinite smallness, uh, prison, uh, prison planet, soul, uh, soul contracts, etc. is and, um, and, you know, NPCs and all this stuff is that Christianity actually has answers for all of these things, all of these different things that are true, that appear to be true aspects of reality can be addressed in the Christian story. And so what makes a religion true? What makes a religion true isn't because I said so. That's just power and that's crap and no one likes that. What makes it a religion true is does it accurately describe visible reality? And so if you can, we started out the conversation saying that, you know, uh, I think I said once, once I started digging down into what it means to be a man, and I discovered that what I discovered about masculinity and femininity is only reflected in one world religion, and that's Christianity. Christianity accurately reflects reality of masculine and feminine. What else does it accurately reflect? That's what makes it true, is that it's an accurate representation of reality. And so all these different things, what I've been trying to articulate, like, for example, su- the sole contract of suffering. Yes, suffering is real. Yes, we are improved by suffering right? So is it that there was a soul contract signed with us where we asked to be abused in these all these really terrible ways for our own improvement? Or is it that suffering is allowed to exist to make us improve, to bring us closer to God, right? To, to, to teach us what holiness is. So it's like it, it describes the true thing, but it gives a different attribution to it. Christianity does that for everything that we've been saying. And so what makes a religion true is that it accurately describes reality and gives the proper answer to it. And other religions like Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, you know, indigenous religions, they describe, they, they see the same aspect of, of reality, but they give the wrong attribution to it. Christianity is true because it sees the attribution of reality. It sees the aspect of reality and gives the correct attribution to it that leads to holiness and, and, uh, and happiness and fulfillment. Like that's there what are, makes religion true. There are um, sects of people on this planet that have not had any contact with any quote unquote outside world. Sure. Uh, in, in, I remember there's an Island off the coast of Madagascar where if anyone approaches it, they get killed on Unco- uncontacted tribes. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. What happens to them? Yeah. I mean, no I, one I told to- them about Christianity. What happens to them? Right. So, uh, so I went to India in 2019 and I went to the Kumela Hindu festival, 190 million Hindus over like several weeks. And the guardian, the UK newspaper, the guardian said it's the largest gathering in human history. And so I've got videos of like people from just the most remote regions. Like they're just making this pilgrimage to bathe, bathe in the Ganges river. And maybe a missionary has never made it out to them. I certainly wasn't preaching the gospel to them. I wasn't Christian at the time. What about these people? And so I think there's there's two answers for that. Is is the Bible says all of the heavens and the earth testify to the glory of God. No matter where you look, you see God everywhere, right? And so like you can't say there's no God. Atheists say there's no God, but really like they're just blinding themselves to the absolute overwhelming reality that like yeah, life didn't just happen by chance. No, right? Like we're, right, okay. Okay, so that's one. So then the second question is like you acknowledge that God is real all around you just by looking around. Like open your eyes, you'll see it. So what about salvation and redemption? It is entirely possible that every single person in the moment of their death, that what, what would we would perceive, um, say, objectively as, a, as one second for them is like a, 
a day, an entire day where Christ comes to them and says, look, here's the deal. Here's what's actually been going on. I know that you were born in this remote part of the world, but this is actually true. And I can lay all this stuff. And this is what's true. Do you, do you accept me or no? And then they have, oh, okay. Yeah. I wish you had said so in. So we don't actually know if that happens. So it's possible that redemption and salvation is available to all of us, even if someone has never been spoken to directly. Like God can do whatever God wants. And if he wants to intervene in the last possible second, you throw yourself off a building, God forbid, and you're at floor one, boom, moment time freezes subjectively to your perception. Jesus is like, hey buddy, how you doing? He slides in right under you as you're about yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, time freezes. You know what I mean? And and, and Christ is like, look, here's what's going on. Stand you know, and start clip clopping. Yeah, exactly. Here's what's going on. You know, if you apologize for all your sin, and you and you accept me as your savior, whatever, whatever, however he says that, you can be with God for eternity. Or do you want to have your sin and then you can get the alternative? And I think in those moments, there are probably some people that are like, you know what, God, I hate you so much. No, and then okay, enjoy that. And there are some people like, oh, I wish I had known. I wish I had believed. But I think everyone will probably get that chance. Because if God loves us enough to come down as a human and suffer and die, I don't think he would stop short of giving everyone on earth the chance at redemption. That wouldn't make sense. Like I did it, but these people didn't hear about it. So like, whatever. I think that, if in that moment, know. if in that moment you tell God to go fuck himself, that's when you go hang out with the devil. Yeah, exactly. In the outer darkness. And then you, and you get to experience what reality, because we, the, we live surrounded and embraced by God's presence all the time, all the time, 100%, 24, seven, 365 for our entire lives. Hell is you go to a place where there is no presence of God at all. Something that we can't even imagine because we've never experienced it. Why would God That's allow what, that? Damn him. Because we chose him because we chose it. We chose something other than God. God's like, look, you get 80 years to, and the last second of your life to choose me and you don't have to, you get free will. Okay, so, I choose something else. Then have that. You so can have the thing years, that you want. 80, or so, 40 years, 10 years, doesn't matter. Whatever. I know, arbitrarily. Yeah. So 80 years. And actually, before I get into this, there's a theory that that last second that you're talking about before God shows up, mm-hmm. where, where your life flashed before your eyes, there's yeah. a theory that we're living it right now. Uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> that we're in that last second, that we're in that life flashing before our eyes moment right now. There's a theory. Then this like conversation that. meant a lot to me if this is part of my life, my life flashing before my eyes. All of it. Your entire life is your life flashing before your eyes. Okay. That's what they're saying. That's what this moment is. Sure. And this moment being the 80 years. Now, another fun thing is you just, you not you just said, but it has been said that you get your 80 years and then you make a choice. So 80 you know, years. No, you're making the choice every day of your life, whether you, you want say, God or something else. Understood. But if you say no to God, that's 80 years that you've existed. And then an eternal damnation for the rest of your life yeah. for making the wrong choice. No, it's not making one wrong choice. That's the thing. It's, it's not like it's not like you get you get 80 years and you get the quiz, do you want God or not? It's that every day and every minute of our lives, we're making the choice. Do we want God first primarily or do we want something else? And at the end and, and the combined weight of all those decisions over the course of our lifespan, however long it is, leads to us deciding at the end of our lives ultimately what we finally want. And we can choose God. We can choose God with every choice one way or another, right? And we can choose to choose to move in the direction of God so that in the final analysis, we're like, oh yeah, that's of course what I want. And then when we die, it's like, oh no, you don't want God. You want something other than God. You want your you want your idols. You can have that. You've asked for it for 80 years and now I'm gonna let you have it. Cause that's what you want. Cause I gave you free will as a gift. It's from God's perspective. 
Yeah. It doesn't make any sense that if you die and you come face to face with God, that you're not going to be like, I choose you. Some people would not. That's the thing. Some people wouldn't. There are people who would choose, like, for example, Marina Abramovic. Like, Marina Abramovic has decided, clearly you know who she is, right? Okay. Has decided all her life that she wants the exact opposite of God, that she wants, she actively wants to create evil and darkness and suffering. And she talks about it, spirit cooking, you know, that whole thing. She's decided she wants something else. She made that choice. So at the end of her life, she's going to be like, you know, bye, I'm out. I'm going with the other guy. It's like some people are like that. And that's evil. It's people that enjoy creating suffering for their own ends. They've chosen something other than God. Now, there's a very small percentage of people, but they're allowed to exist. They're allowed to exist. But they're all in Hollywood and they're all telling you stories. It's amazing how that works, right? (laughs) And they're all in politics and they're all in power and they're all in government and it's them yeah. against us. They're in all the institutions. Well, yes, yes. It, it, it's, 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 it's light against light against darkness. It's, it's the evil that wants to extinguish, that hates God and wants to extinguish all evidence from God's light on earth because it hates God and is an open, <clears throat> open rebellion to God. That's Satan. Satan is open rebellion to God and Satan cannot ultimately defeat God. So what did God, what did Satan do? He went and corrupted man. He was like, I'm going to get your favorite creation. I'm going to corrupt him. And you're going to watch me create suffering. God's like, okay, you can do that. It's only going to serve my glory in the end. You're, yeah. you're, yeah, that's, yeah. And all of that to say, ladies and gentlemen, um, the whole thing was, was, was a buildup to, to tell you not to pay your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> taxes Tax are obeying the <clears throat> devil. Yeah. So are we going to, now we can talk about, um, we can talk about, uh, sovereignty theory and all that we can dig into that so i okay so i mean yeah we can dig into that i i love the idea of 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 the sovereign male the sovereign person the sovereign entity and and with regards to government i mean the the contracts now uh, the contracts that are in place the verbal contracts the written contracts the 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 maritime maritime, maritime contract that's what i was going for that's top, top, yeah and that that's that stuff is is phenomenal and i've i've got Ugh. the ability i've been pulled over by the police numerous times and i've talked them i've told them to leave right so simple things like you know uh, why have you impeded my canadian right and ability to travel mm-hmm. is not license and registration no right i don't i'm not going to engage you and i'm not going to agree with you with what you're doing mm-hmm. yeah they consent. say license and registration you do not engage them mm-hmm. why have you impeded my canadian right and ability to travel what do they say i've said that to three cops one of them gave me a hard time and two of them just said have a good day Whoa. So that's maritime law. And that's Mm -hmm. a very simple statement. Why have you impeded my Canadian? Because the definition of driving is the transportation of people or goods for profit. Okay. Definition of traveling is moving around. Oh. Right. So I'm not driving. Stuff is so heavy. Stuff is uh, maritime law is like, whoa. Yeah. 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 And you can talk your way out of it and you can, you know, you, there's, yeah. there's so many things in here that, you know, we agreed to taxation, for example, show me a piece of paper where I agreed to pay you any of this fucking money, right? Taxation, mm-hmm. what people don't realize and what they don't understand is taxation is voluntary. Yeah, it is. Agree. And they, have, we, we have ways of making you talk. Oh, hundred percent. They do. Right. Yeah. But, but the, for the most part, they're just going to go after the, the small fish. They're, if you put up a big stink, they're not really going right. to fight you, right? And if you aren't tied to, and if you, again, don't have any idols, like we have all this stuff, we're going to take it from you. I'm like, you're just going to steal my shit. Go ahead. We're going to take your freedom. <laughs> Go ahead. Put me in jail. You can't really do that. 
right? But society is yeah. afraid of this. Society is totally afraid of, of... Yeah, most people don't have the fight in them to stand up to that. Yeah, so the government's... It's been bred out of us. It's going to push you around. Yeah. It is bred out of us, right? And then the government's like, give us your guns. I'm like, fuck you, you know? And now <laughs> yeah. you're a bad guy. So, you know, when you when you talk about this stuff, like it's even in it's even in uh, Hollywood, right? Everybody under the sun understands that Al Capone was the greatest gangster in the entire planet. And they think that there's a difference between gangsters and the FBI and this and the other thing. But FBI is just another organized crime. Well, Any Webb, lettered agency. One nation. Whitney Webb, yeah. One Nation Under Blackmail, Try and Day Press, you know, the connection between organized crime and, and ex- exquisitely documented the connection between intelligence and organized crime. That's what those books are about. It's because it's the same thing. It's all the same. Yeah. It's, it's all the same thing. So yeah. the, the story goes, Al Capone, you know, the untouchable Al Capone, he beat every single rap that was ever put in front of him, but then mm-hmm. they got him on taxes. On taxes. Exactly. So now Joe Schmo comes into this and they're like, well, if they got Al Capone, they're going to get me. Well, that's not true, right? You've got to ask the right questions and you've got to make the right demands and you've got to say the right things and they will go away. You can't mm-hmm. be afraid of them. Right? And here's the thing too. If we all stop playing the game, they'd have nobody to build. You're in the States right now, right? Your sitting president is a treasonous son of a gun. God knows what, yeah. And now all of the money laundering that's been going on uh, over to Ukraine Right. What happens? So when, bad. What happens when Florida needs some of that money? Right. This is Let's where you print, realize print that more. this is where you realize that all money everywhere is a scam, is a sham. Oh yeah. So all of these people too on this planet and in this reality, they have this belief that if you follow the money, you'll find out the root cause. I but agree. that to me is an ultimate distraction because oh, those who live here invented the money. They don't need it. Yeah. They need you. Oh, I see what you mean. They need you to want it. Taxation isn't about them taking money from you, right? Mm-hmm. Taxation is about you not having the money. They're not spending your tax dollars. They're just taking from you because the yes, more they take from you, the great. more you have to work. The more you have to work, the less time you have to figure out who you are and what you're truly capable of. It mm. is the ultimate distraction and it's all yes. bullshit. It is yes. fundamentally all bullshit. The mm-hmm. queen's going to sit there and talk about poverty with a gold piano in the background. She wears a hat worth billions of dollars. Meanwhile, people are starving. Same with the Vatican. Like, you know, oh, Christ came to serve the poor. Look at us in our palaces of gold with yeah. our giant bank. Like, are you serious? Which is exactly why you can't believe in Catholicism because it's next to Satanism. Yeah, it's right? and, Mary, the whole thing. And it's ridiculous. You want, you know, if you want all the truths and all the lies, like the Vatican is sitting on just thrones of truth uh, with regards yeah. to Tartarian, the societies that, the societies that built the, the pyramids. Vatican Library. Sort of stuff everything, right? The Nephilim, fallen angels, all that sort of stuff. They all exist. Uh, and, and there's information about it absolutely everywhere. So there's there's truth about the conspiracies, right? The conspiracies. Mm-hmm. There's a movie uh, released in 1998 called Conspiracy Theory. Mel Gibson is a cab driver and yeah. uh, Julia Roberts is in it. Go, go find that movie somewhere online and just watch the first 10 minutes. It's just him sitting in the car, driving a cab, talking to people in the back. And he's just spewing off conspiracy after conspiracy after conspiracy for about 10 mm-hmm. minutes just to show you that he's a conspiracy theorist, crazy nut job driving through town, right? Yeah. But that movie was done in 1998. And if you listen to that movie now, you listen to the first 10 minutes of that movie, every single one of those conspiracies came true. Mm. Oh, wow. So okay. they're telling you the truth in plain sight. People are like, I'm not going to go back and look at that. I don't care. Like, it's not a thing, right? But now we've got so much information absolutely everywhere that you can't not see it. 
mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't want to look right so all of that stuff is everywhere and all of it with or without pain leads to an understanding and an awareness not so much of where we are because it's not giving you answers but it's eliminating falsehoods and that is a powerful fucking statement yes yes thank you because what i often say when i talk to people about conspiracy topics is like look like 9-11 is a great example like I don't actually know what happened on 9-11, maybe everything, but I know what didn't happen. Yeah. Right. I, you know, and so it's like, I can't definitively say, you know, what it is that went on. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't there. Right. I wasn't in the, I wasn't in the planning execution of it, but I can say that like, if you just look at building seven and you look at the actual uh, NIST NIST, the model for, for why building seven came down into its own footprint sometime in the afternoon, the modeling, what, what the, what the government organization that said about that is because one cross beam failed, the entire building came down. Now, I don't know much about buildings, but I'm pretty sure that's not how you're supposed to build them. That if one beam fails, but the thing is, and this is even in their own data and there's like architects and engineers for, <clears throat> for truth that are like, when they examined the NIST model, NIST, it's supposed to be an I-beam and the way that NIST modeled it was not with an I-beam. So when they did, when they developed the model that said it all came down because of one, but it all became, it all came down because of one failed beam. They even picked the wrong beam, the wrong kind of beam. So they like lied in their own model. And when confronted about it, the guy who ran NIST was like, he, he gave some sort of non-committal answer. And so it's like, I, you know, I don't exactly, exactly know, but I know that's not what happened. Right. Yeah. I know, I don't know what happened, but I know that's not what happened. So yes, I like what you said. It's very much about picking out falsehoods, but we can't actually say definitively what the, what the truth is because we're not actually there, but it's like, that's a lie. I don't know what the truth is, but that's a lie. And and the ability to sit, to say that, to make that distinction is very, very powerful. And that to me is essentially what awakening is all about, eliminating the lies. And when you eliminate, see, I'm not here looking for answers. I'm not here looking for new answers. I'm here eliminating bullshit. And when yes, you it's a lifelong pursuit. <laughs> when you fundamentally eliminate everything that doesn't make any fucking sense, you get to an answer. It's a yes. process of elimination. And so in my life, I'm dwindling things down. Yes. And people want answers. I don't want answers anymore. I want to, I want to unload useless information. Yes. Uh, building seven. It's like never forget the World Trade Centers, right? But always forget building seven. Yeah, exactly. Um the, the World Trade Center, too, like there are so many pictures of that throughout the course of time where if you look at it, those buildings, I would guess, were built with the design of collapse. So when they went up, the plan was already in place. Mm. I mean, there's certainly enough, um, enough like cartoons and movie footage and stuff like that, that, that shows the buildings coming down all through the late nineties, right? Like there's a, there's a video going around around that, about that, the nine 11 anniversary this past year, there was videos going around about all these different things like the Simpsons, obviously, and, and, uh, and things like that, that, that have hinted about, about the destruction of the world trade center. But yeah, is it, it's possible. Sure. Do you remember, um, the X-Files? Yes. I didn't watch it, but I've, I've seen a lot of it since then. So there was, yeah, <laughs> that was an interesting thing. It's interesting now. Yeah. There was a show spinoff called The Lone Gunman. And yeah. The Lone the Gunman guys, were, the, yeah. were the three dudes, yeah. So they had their, their own spinoff. And uh, the pilot of the spinoff, so the very first episode for the spinoff. I think was, I'm not going to like what you're going to say. <laughs> no, I, I, in a good way, in a good way. Like, was okay, the telling of, of 9-11. <sighs> it, was, it was the foreshadowing of 9-11. It was the telling of how they did it. 
And that's that to me is fascinating because again, in in sort of future times, you're like these guys did this, they hijacked this, they flew then a remote this that, and the other thing. Um, and I really like that. But in the future, uh, which is now my past, the idea that there was there wasn't any planes at all. Um, when you really truly look at that footage, you're like these. There's no planes. There's no planes. This shit is all. This is all CGI. This is all make believe. And I've looked at videos about that. And the more you look at it, the more you see you're like, shit. So the funny thing about the funny thing about how well this, this, this mystery is laid out for us is you've got clues, which is the lone gunman, right? Which the conspiracy theorists can say, look, this is exactly how they did it. And they aired this before it happened. Right. Mm -hmm. But, and that, and and that sticks to the true story. And then the other story is no, it was missiles. Right. So it's like there's even there's the story, there's the fake story, there's this. There's another episode of uh an, an episode of um South Park, which is phenomenal. South Park is is just dropping craziness left, right, and center. And again, too, you're on the Facebook. You should follow the Babylon B. Those guys are dropping oh, yeah. truths left, right, and center. I'm like, I don't know who lit a fire under their asses, but they went, right. you know, they went from they they're next level now. Some of the shit, like one of the things that made me laugh my ass off was uh, you know, um, Seinfeld, uh, comedians in cars getting coffee. Mm. Mm-hmm. So they did a spoof on it called, it was Chelsea and, and, and Hillary. And it was called Clinton's in cars killing witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought to myself, holy shit, how is the Babylon Bee getting away with it? Wow. But yeah, they've come a long way. They're hilarious. Like they're dropping truth bombs left, right and center, but like hidden in, in conspiracy, you know, and they're not getting yeah. censored. They're not getting, they're not getting fact checked by Facebook. Um, but they're they're a good follow. Um, anyway, so the the episode of uh, South Park that I was talking about was uh, uh, the Hardly Boys, and they were spoofing the Hardy Boys, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it started off with somebody had taken a shit in the in the stand up urinal, so it was Hootie Suzuki, <laughs> right? And it led up to the it led into the president's. Uh, they were in the they were in the president's office, and George Bush was dropping conspiracy theories, and it was all jokes. But there was so much truth that they were laying out there, talking about how some people get the official story and they're okay with it. Some people can't handle the official story, so we invent the official story and we invent the conspiracies. And they go into yeah. great detail about how they do all this stuff. And I was like, I love this that they're just mm-hmm. showing this out here. Yeah, so many people in this day and age are looking for an answer. They're like, I need to be smart enough to tell you what's going on. I sit here doing this podcast, episode two hundred and twenty-two. I have no idea what's going on. I have less knowledge than I've ever had in my entire life. I just, I'm, I'm just filled with whimsy and wonder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with all that. Like, like you've mentioned a number of things that, like the, the no planes, you know, for nine eleven, flat Earth, hollow Earth, concrete, concave Earth. Like, I've, I've looked at these things, I've, I, and it's like, okay, I, I hear the, I hear the arguments that a lot of people are making. I haven't, I haven't found, I haven't found those particularly convincing. But that said, I think the process of asking questions about everything is incredibly important. It's like to engage in that process bravely. And and that's the point that I always make to men is that, look, you have to be willing to question everything. And and yes, sometimes men are very afraid of the answers they're going to find both in their outer lives and within themselves, especially. And, and to undergo that process alone can be very terrifying because if you discover that everything that you've believed about your relationship or your, or your workplace or your, or your, your nation or your culture or yourself or whatever is, un, is untrue, then you're alone. And so that's why 
you know, we started out talking about masculinity. Men have been so isolated from each other socially, physically, culturally, and that makes them like where they're where they're alone and able to be picked off, right? Whereas if we actually come together as men and have conversations like this, including in person as well, we find community, we find fellowship, and we find strength to be able to ask really, really hard questions. And if not get close to the truth, at least get closer to an understanding like that's a lie. And I love what you said about how there's the official story and then there's the official unofficial story. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the, the, the controlling both ends of the spectrum, like, okay, the people who are in, you know, the more normie mainstream side, they'll buy this story, but then we're going to go deep into the underground and we're going to sow this other story and just people fall off, you know, the road onto one of those two ditches. And in order to have the strength and the mental discernment to be like, I'm not just going to take what's handed to me from either side. I'm going to continue to be strong in my own discernment and ask, is that true? And not actually land in something until it really, really passes your discernment test. And I'm really glad you said that because what happens to a lot of people who start questioning, say, mainstream consensus reality is that they fall off the ditch into all this wild stuff that's meant to be a trap, the, uh, the trap on the other side for 100%, them, yeah. and they lose calibration. And that's why people like Mel Gibson, you know, in that, in that conspiracy theory movie are able to ridicule the conspiracy mindset. You know, and to some extent, like Alex Jones serves this function as well, not about him per se, but it's like, we're going to take all these ideas that have a lot of truth in them and we're going to ridicule them. We're going to make them so silly that no person who maintains a nine to five job and pays their bills on time would ever consider looking at that stuff because obviously it makes you crazy and that can't be good. So, so people need to keep their discernment on the other side of the road as well. Alex Jones serves a second purpose as well. Yeah, for sure. So it, it, your discernment thing is 100% accurate because you have to think too is when you break out of it, when you break out of the normie mentality, you have to go as far as you can to the other side. And there's no guardrails. Yeah. You have to hit that ditch and just keep going. And then you rein yourself in here like, let me take a beat here. This shit's getting fucking weird. <laughs> yes. Right. So you're like, yes. I can't, I can't. But at first you're lost. You're like, everything is so crazy. And then it's just yeah. like, I can't, I can't do it. So now, and then you rein yourself back and you come back to center. But you've lived all the way over here in the weird yeah. normie world. And then you fired yourself all the way over there in the weird conspiracy world. And then hopefully you've come back in the middle. Eventually you'll come back to the middle and be like, I now call bullshit on everything. And you question it. Yeah, 100%. You question you sell it merchandise? If you sell merchandise, I call bullshit on everything should, is a great t-shirt idea exactly. for you. Putting it on a hat, fuck. Yeah. So um, the, <clears throat> the uh, Alex Jones. Alex Jones is in the news right now because he uh, told Sandy Hook people to their face that their kids didn't die. So now why I think that's entertaining because now hear me out on this. Alex Jones is a lunatic, but Alex Jones was also repurposed. He was once Bill Hicks and Bill Hicks <laughs> was a comedian this. that had a character named Alex Jones and people still didn't pick up on this shit. So Alex Jones is certainly on the same team as everybody else. What Alex Jones represents right now is two things. Sandy Hook was fucked up. Sandy Hook was, it, it, it reeked of PSYOP all over the place. Hmm. Now that's not to say that innocent people didn't get hurt. Right. You can have, you can, both things can be equally true, right? Just like the World Trade Center was total bullshit. Bin Laden didn't take it down with airplanes from a cave in Afghanistan. Hmm. Bin Laden is Tim Osman from the CIA. So there's that. Now, 
or if you want to say that he did, if you if you want to say that he did take it down, you have to explain why Building Seven came down as well, right? That yeah. that wasn't hit by. Right? You have to factor in the inconvenient details about the moment if you want to support your narrative, right? Exactly. And what was in Building Seven, and why did it come down, and what happened to the Pentagon, and where are the plane parts from the Pentagon, and what happened to Pennsylvania? What's all this all about? There's so many it more. Disappeared into a field, bro. It yeah. just disappeared right into the ground. Well, it was science because the plane was going so fast that the ground actually hit like a ground ripple and swallowed the whole plane right up. <laughs> Holy fuck! That is the actual story. I'm like you, idiots. So the people in the plane it's all got wild. swallowed by fucking ground hornets. Murder hornets. <laughs> Did they ever pull out the bodies from? The, yeah, I know. Nothing. Not, they didn't even pull out a piece of wing from nothing. And everyone's like, it's a disaster around here. So now, so that's bullshit, right? Now, here's the thing. I can make fun of that because I'm not talking about any one specific person. But when you go up and say your children didn't die, yeah, right, that's stupid. Mm. Stupid, entertaining, like lunatic, entertaining, but stupid. Yeah. So had he said, here are the peculiar facts of Sandy Hook. Here are the people that were involved. Here is a video of one of the quote-unquote fathers who lost a child apparently uh, laughing and being jovial then getting into character and then speaking. Here's a video of this. Here's a video of that. Here are the people that were named to this. Here are the things that took place before that. Here are the results of Sandy Hook. And sadly, here are probably the victims. Right? So that could have avoided this whole thing. But what he represents as well right now is any person who doesn't have a strong backbone in any way, shape, or form will now self-censor because right. they can't afford to pay $14 million in fines to anybody if they're not 100% accurate on what they say. So the people talking all yeah, over the place it. that are mini Alex Joneses are going to shut the fuck up. And he represents that and he means that and that's his intention. That's the, They've used him for that purpose. To get, to get these people not to spark free thought in other people. Mm -hmm. I believe that. That's entirely possible. So that that's where, the, that again, that's another one of my own personal theories. Uh, because again, I, I call bullshit on everything. Absolutely everything. Well, I think, I, think it's a, I think it's a very fair statement to say that anyone, uh, probably almost anyone, possibly everyone in the public eye, you know, whether they know it or not, this is the true statement. Everyone in the public eye, whether they know it or not, is capable of being used as a chess piece on the board of manipulating public opinion. A thousand right? percent, yes. Right, yeah. Now you can be a willing chess piece and you can be like, yes, I will go over there and do this thing because we have this agenda, right? And there's a lot of that going on. But even people who are not necessarily aware of what's going on, they can be used. And so I can see Alex Jones being used in that way for sure because I've often said, okay, so you put on the news, right? You put on whatever, pick your favorite mainstream channel and they report the, quote unquote, the fact they used to, they report the facts of the day in this very calm and grounded kind of way where they relate what's going on. And so when you want to report what we might call as ultra facts, like facts that are excluded from the mainstream narrative. What if there was a news channel that did it in the same way? Like, oh, this amount of money was sent over to Ukraine today. The Hunter Biden laptop was determined to be real and there was proved to be a cover-up. But they say it in this very grounded, you know, very professional way. We don't have that. Instead, we have Alex Jones, bro, 1776, bro, we're going to go. And it's like, it, it, it takes all of these important, inf all this important facts, and it makes it into this client caricature. So that everyone's like, look, I don't know what that guy's saying, but he's not a dude I'm going to listen to. Yeah. Versus if you were to, if you were to get something like actual professional newscasters and set up a news network, it's like, here's the facts in a clear and almost clinical way, like journalism used to be. 
oh, that doesn't exist. And well, so look, we at, have, look at President, uh, the, the Trump presidency. For four years, the media just shit on Trump. Yeah. Like it was. They're still shitting on him. <laughs> it's like, how do you, how do you, how do you not fucking uh, show your hand? Like four years consecutively, you're destroying a man who's sitting in office. And then Biden shows and up and crickets. Crickets. Silence. Biden, Biden is an absolute moron and crickets. Yeah. If, if, could you imagine if, if Donald Trump Jr. was Hunter Biden? I keep saying that. It's like if, Don, if Donald Trump Jr. sneezes the wrong way, the world ends. Hunter Biden has a laptop full of him literally on camera smoking crack and meth and banging hookers and taking endless photos of his junk and doing all these objectively horrible things. Objectively horrible, disgusting things. And when you tell it to people, it's like, well, he's not Joe. It's like, what? Like, are you, and here's, here's, the thing, here's the thing. I think so many people in America and around the world decided to look the other way on a totally suspicious election. They're like, you know what? We're going to look the other way, lie, cheat, and steal, do whatever you do. Just let us go back to sleep so that we can have like 2014 normal. Like Joe, you know, you had, you were with, uh, you were with Obama. We liked what was going on with Obama because we could be asleep. So just go take us back to 2014 normal. And we're going to look the other way, even to the point where there was a, a time magazine, how the 2020 election was fortified, like how we did it. Right. They called it fortified, like on the cover of time magazine. Yeah, And care. so I, I think everyone made that deal with the devil. They're like, you know what? Just, just take it. No worries. We just want to go back to sleep. And so now when you show them anything that rattles them, like wake up, do you see this? They're incapable of seeing it. You show them like Hunter Biden, like here's Hunter Biden smoking meth. Here's Hunter Biden with like a, a number of different prostitutes. And they're like, yeah, but it's not Joe. It's like, are you kidding me? Like in what universe does the behavior of the son not reflect on the father? In what universe? Also on that laptop, there's the, there's the text messages uh, about big man Joe taking all the bribes and taking the money. No. And, and what is it? Ashley Biden's diary that was just validated as real. Like it's just. And nobody cares. Nobody can. They can't. I, I don't know that they can. And you know, it's 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 very difficult. To, it's very difficult because you know you bring up you brought up bring up brought up the the subject of NPCs, and you know that is a that is a topic that's discussed in the, in the new age in various ways around like um, you know people who have higher soul potential and people who don't right yeah. people who have the ability to question reality and people who don't and that's a that is a thing and there's an answer for that in christianity as well as it turns out but it's an unavoidable fact of reality that that it it appears that some people have this splinter like the matrix addresses it not everybody is ready to be unplugged not everyone goes looking for morpheus yeah. right that's the whole that's the whole beginning of the movie is some people feel called in that direction there's what's going movie. on with that there's another movie that that really talks well on it it's uh, another Ryan Reynolds movie he's done a lot of them yeah, amazing. Uh, called, called the Nines, um, and it's about the creators. It's a good one. You'll enjoy it. Mm. The Nines, and it's about the creators. It's a confusing movie at first, but when you realize that he's creating, um, you know, it's it's pretty fascinating how mm. there's a limited number of nines on the planet. And mm. it also there's another one that ties into uh, string theory. Um, so the, the string theory of your soul. In other words, you are a product of your father. Your son is a product of you. If you yeah. don't have a son likely you're a creative nine and you're on your way out of this reality. You've done your go around nine times hmm. and then you're, you're free to leave. So there's a, there, you know, these, these are all things that this is a penance. This is a, this is a course. This is a penalty. It's like, this is technically house arrest for something that we did somewhere else. This is the result of denouncing God. You know, when you hmm. say you go straight to hell for the rest of eternity, that's a theory is this is where we are. 
a theory is you and I denounced God a while ago and he sent us back around. Well, well do it again. Right? Yeah, Christianity so. says something similar, but, but not exactly precisely the same is that, is that this is, um, there's okay. There's a great series of books called the space trilogy, the ransom trilogy by CS Lewis, where he goes in to a full Christian cosmology. It's an incredible series of science fiction books where he lays all this out. And of course, CS Lewis was a very famous uh, atheist until he became a very famous Christian apologist. And, and the idea is that what Wasn't earth CS Lewis that started the bet with L Ron Hubbard about who could invent a religion for a dollar. No, no. What I've heard is that um, maybe he might, he might've made some bet with Tolkien, but I don't think that he, I don't think he had interaction with L. Ron Hubbard. I heard L. Ron, I'm pretty sure I could be misrepresenting this, but I thought I heard L. Ron Hubbard started Scientology because he and another science fiction writer had created a bet who could, who could invent the best religion. Who that may be true, but I don't think it's C.S. Lewis. For a dollar. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, because L. Ron Hubbard, I think, is American and C.S. Lewis is British. But anyway, um, but yeah, I don't think it was C.S. Lewis. But one way or another is that, you know, Earth again, like the, the theory of greatness and the, the infinite greatness, infinite smallness is like where we actually are is pretty close to the bottom of the drain. Like earth, because of its fallen state is, is, um, is pretty close to where you, where you don't want to be. So it has all these characteristics of, uh, um, of being you know, very broken, lots of suffering that we can't understand. Why, why is there so much suffering on earth? Why does it appear to be the defining characteristic is because we're so close to the bottom of reality, the bottom, the bottom of which is hell. Right, that's the very bottom of, of everything, and so um, from this position, we can we can choose to go up towards God, or we can choose anything other than God, which takes us down towards hell. So we're we're close. We're caught in between these two worlds, essentially. I don't know about the whole uh, reincarnation, um, the whole reincarnation thing, but again, these are all um, these are all aspects that Christianity speaks to, and that is apparent if you read um, the space trilogy because it also talks about the moon. And, uh, and what the moon, um, what the moon represents, uh, in, in a, in a cosmological sense from a Christian cosmological sense, which most, which most people never heard of. Most people go their whole lives looking up at the moon, you know, being like, Oh, look, the moon's really pretty. It's like, well, we don't actually know what the, where the moon came from. It's not made from the same stuff as earth is, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Once you go looking into it, it's transient lunar phenomena, which has a Wikipedia entry of strange lights seen over the moon. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a thing. We've talked about a million things, but we definitely have to wrap this up. Um, just time-wise, I mean, we're going long here, uh, but hopefully people will listen to the whole thing. Well, they will. You know, this is, the good thing about a long episode is you can you can take it in bite-sized. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we neither one of us have an offensive voice. Imagine running a podcast with a shitty voice. Like, I don't think it'd work. No, you'd have to learn to not have a shitty voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your take on the moon, bro? After everything's all said and done, religion, conspiracy, everything that you've taken in, what do you think the moon is? Yeah. By the way, I need to give a shout out to my friend and brother, Tim, who's, who's, who's the guy who's continues to clue me into a lot of these different discussion topics. And so he's at this point, he's been probably really loving this conversation. And so coming to the moon is like the central kind of thing. So we talked about the prison planet, the shout out Tim. So we talked about the prison planet and, and what I think the moon is, is I think that, and I, I didn't come up with this idea. I think I read it and I read it in a book. Um, is that uh, maybe the book is World Bridger by Juliet and Jeeva Carter, perhaps, but the moon is that is the keystone that holds the energetic matrix of the prison planet together. That that the human the human spirit is so powerful and is so deeply drawn to God and, and to and to righteousness that um, that there is this undeniable call. 
and the prison planet is is really strong but without this keystone to hold it all together and energetically that that's what the moon does it's this keystone and that actually shows up and i was surprised to see that in the c.s lewis books that i told you about because in the C.S. Lewis books, there's the sublunar realm that the moon describes the boundary that Satan has given dominion over. And so the, the moon is this boundary that can't be crossed. So I think the moon is, is ultimately, and it shifts the tides and it shifts the earth's magnetic field and the whole thing. I, I think the moon serves that energetic function. What is the moon physically? I mean, I don't, I don't know. People like, I guess scientists launched probes at the moon in the 50s, 40s and 50s, probably the 50s, and it rang like a bell. So perhaps it's hollow. You know, people who have done things like astral projection have seen that there's there's like a stuff built on the other side of the moon. Who knows about any of that? But I think it's it's pretty unavoidable that the that the moon. It is abs- absolutely objectively true that the moon has influence over the tides. So we can feel like the water is gravitationally attracted by the moon most of the human body is made of water so we are actually gravitationally attracted by the moon i think that's that, that it messes with um it messes with the energetic matrix of reality let's say so it definitely does that on a on a purely materialistic physical uh basis that's true and i think it's unavoidable that it also messes with our energetic reality uh, as well in ways that probably we don't understand and if someone can explain to me where the moon came from like what, what the moon is made of stuff that's not the same as earth is like, how did it get here? You know, that's, that's, that's a question that no one really knows. And that's really uncomfortable. Like if the moon were made because some meteor impacted earth and some piece of earth had broken off and became the moon. Sure. But that's not what happened. You know, why is the moon cold and dead and lifeless? And no one really, no one really answers these questions. And and so that it has this impact on us. That's such an important thing that we never question um, that we're not, that it's like, it's the unquestionable thing. It's like, that's a, that's even more means that we should probably look into it and, and start asking these questions. Like, well, even if the answer is, even if the answer is like, oh yeah, no, here's the answer. It's like, well, does it, does it account for all the realities of it? That's, that's another question. Yeah. The answers, the answers, if they're not right, they're not right. In my opinion. Right. Um, and, and, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I have so many questions about that damn moon, but I love that it exists and I love that I get to look at it every day and, and wonder, you know, so, you know, as far as what it is, I mean, I understand that it is, um, it's it, where, where it lies in its fascination is, uh, it's the same size as the sun. It appears to be self-luminescent. Um, mm. and it appears to be, um, sort of dipped in an ether. So it's, it appears to be hiding behind an ether. Mm. So we, we believe that, you know, the sun's, um, or sort of the moon's, uh, cycle is, um, like the shadow of the earth essentially in the sun and all that sort of shit. Like we think that that's a reality when you, you throw 10 seconds of thought out at that and it doesn't make any sense. I, I look at it this way. Can you, can you picture like picture I'm holding a walk, like a, a Chinese cooking mm-hmm. walk, mm-hmm. right? So you know how it's concave. Yeah. So now I'm holding it towards you. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're looking at the top of it as I lower it into the sink, but I'm scooping, scooping the water, the sink water, right? And mm-hmm. it's dyed black, so it's black sink water. So you're looking at the t- you're looking at the sink as I'm dipping the 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 walk in. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the cycles of the moon. So that sounds oh, weird, sure. right? But I, I can get I can get the crescent. In other words, I can put a little bit of the walk in to get the crescent moon. I can stick half of it in to get the half moon. Sure. I can tilt it and pull it back, 
right? So it again comes back to the magic eye in the mall where you look at it and you see the thing. When you look at that moon with different information inside your head, you see a different thing. I think the moon for the most part, and an interesting thing too is when you look at when you look at the moon, like when, it, when it's a, a thumbnail moon and you really look at it and you look at the shadows on some of the culverts with a super zoom, it almost looks like it's a circular tube heading inward. Hmm. So when you look at it with, as a walk, you know, uh, an in, an in uh, con, convex walk um, or concave walk, sorry, you, you see it differently as it dipping in water, as in it's dipping in the ether where things aren't necessarily there. Because sometimes when you take a picture of the moon, it's see-through, right? I've heard and, this. And there are a million flags on this planet that, that represent the star being seen through the moon. Oh yeah. Like uh, the Pakistani national flag, something like that. Exactly. There's tons of them, mm-hmm. right? So this is the star being seen through the moon. So the moon becomes translucent. I mean, that's peculiar. Mm. Right? Um, also another fascinating fact too, is that we all know that sunlight is hot. And when you stand in the shade, it cools down. Well, moonlight is cool. So technically, and you can't feel it with your skin, but you can feel it with, or you can see it with a thermometer. When you have a thermometer in direct moonlight, and then you move it into the shade, it warms up. Mm, I haven't seen that either. Moonlight is cooler than sunlight. Mm. It's the reverse of sunlight. Mm. So there's a ton of fascinating things that you can you know, test and do at home with regards to what the moon might be. But whatever it is, it is utterly fascinating. Um, I we, think could go on for, yeah. we could go on for hours and hours and hours about all this sort of stuff. But man, two hours in, two, two hours and a bit in. Um, uh, awesome. Really I've had you here. Uh, I doubt you so much. The last man. time you're here, I hope not. Do you? Uh, you might have some room for me on your show. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Is there anything that you wanted to say, or you like? Is there anybody you wanted to shout out, or is there, is there anywhere we can drop people back? I mean, are you taking new clients? Is, let us know. Yeah. Where are we dropping you to? Yeah, I just want to say real quick, thank you for for having me on. This has been an incredible conversation. I think it's really important for men to be able able to take their different ideas, different thoughts, different perspective, information, worldviews, and and compare and contrast and bash them into each other. I think this is like fundamentally one of the most masculine things that men can do. It's like, how do we how do we bash these ideas into each other to find out what truth is? Mm-hmm. You know, because we we have to we have to figure out or at least discover what falsehoods are. And yeah. so I think it's really I think it's really great. And I think it's really valuable the dialogue and all the questions that you're asking and that you give me the chance to surface some of the questions that I've that I've asked. And clearly we have a lot more to to talk about in terms of like, because we've talked about um our our like the soul contract versus Christianity, that worldview. Then there's always the you know, the glow reality versus the flat reality. There's that whole conversation to have as well. Oh, yeah. And I really I really treasure these discussions because what like the question, what is the moon? Like well, you're going to answer that question differently, whether you see a, you know, a flat reality versus a globe reality, like whatever. Right. And I think these conversations are, are like almost forbidden, but like we need yeah. to have them because this is how truth is. This is how this is how falsehood uh, falsehoods are discerned and truth is slowly arrived at. So I'm very grateful that you've had me on to have this conversation. Well, um, even, even on that note, if you think about when we were kids, you know, what were the three topics that were impolite dinner topics? Religion, politics, religion and sex. Politics, religion, and finance, but sex. Okay. Well, I'm talking about sex, I guess. Four, but it was politics, religion, and um, and finance. How much money, money you make? Yeah, what God do you believe in? And who do you support politically? Don't talk about these things because it's yeah. impolite to talk about these things in America. It's not. That's not true other places, but in yeah. America, yes. And if we talk about them, we can. We'll see through them, right? 
We'll right. see through the bullshit. All the things that they tell us not to talk about are the things that we need to talk about. 100%. That's, that's right. And conversations like this model it for men. It's like, look, we can have deep disagreements about reality and not be screaming at each other. It's like, and we could lay it out on the table and be like, here's what I think. Here's what you think. And let's look at all this. And I yeah. think men, men need to have more of these conversations, um, you know, and maybe not around the dinner table with friends, but like, you know, in the shed, in the garage, on the hunt, you know, at the gym. I think the, I think these conversations are incredibly valuable. So I just want to say thank you for that. Um, yeah, for sure. I enjoyed it myself. Where can we drive men to? So you can send men to, um, to listen to my podcast or learn more about my coaching by going to linktree slash rent of men. So from there, you'll be able to find um, the Renaissance of Men podcast. And, and I have my own. It's not unusual that I have long conversations. I just had a five hour podcast with a friend last night. And, sure. uh, and yeah, exactly. And, uh, and my coaching is there and, and some of the other things as well. So um, the linktree slash rent of men. We've said men a lot, um, yeah. but. I, I want to say too that women can absolutely benefit from all of this. Like it's not absolutely it's not, it's not a exclusive, inclusive or anything like that. Like um, you know, that this is a lot of the time too, men and humankind could be interchanged um uh, as a statement. So Yes. In in my case, I mean I mean men specifically, like yes. the renaissance of men. But the thing is is that is that strong, noble, upright, virtuous men create the best possible environment for women to be women. That it's only in that environment. So it's not to say that because there is a renaissance of women happening too. And and I often talk in some of my other platforms about what I call the great reconciliation is that when you have the renaissance of men and the renaissance of women coming together, you have the great reconciliation, which I think is what our our world really needs. And and the ultimate primary division that we experience is between men and women right now. And when we heal that, we have the great reconciliation and then beautiful things come out of that. You have an amazing post pinned on your Instagram and I'll send people there too. I'll, I'll definitely put the link up. Mm. The, um, it, oh, I'm assuming it's in your link tree as well. Um, the, the, you have the, the post that's pinned there is that who she is not. Oh yeah. And I, I read that briefly and I, I just thought this is so phenomenal because we have this idea in our mind of who we're supposed to be and mm-hmm. who we're supposed to pair with. And women have this idea of who they need to be. And again, we talked about it earlier. If women just woke up tomorrow morning and loved themselves as they were, so many companies would be out of business and they would be yes. so much more beautiful without worrying about painting them faces and all this sort of stuff. Like society's done a number on all of us. That's right. Uh, and, and you know, one thing that comes up is toxic masculinity is like the biggest thing right now. Mm. And the truth is the absence of masculinity is what is toxic. Absolutely. True masculinity is uh, the safest place in the world for anybody. Absolutely. Um, and, and what a great place to, to leave the show off on. Yeah. Thank you. That, that who she isn't post is entirely about, discerning falsehood that's so you mentioned that it's like yeah. how do we discern what falsehood is that's what that post is like i'm not going to say who she is but here's who she isn't so who she isn't so we can cut away the falsehoods about women yeah i loved it i loved it entirely thank you man. Um, and yeah ladies and gentlemen check that out check him out the links will be in the description uh again man thanks for having you um or thanks for being here i should say mm. and uh ladies and gentlemen in the infamous words of red green keep your stick on the ice Thank you for listening to today's Mental Mastery Alliance podcast. Let the team know you're listening by using the hashtag MMA and Mental Mastery Alliance. Want more motivation? Be sure to follow online on Instagram at Mental Mastery Alliance and on Facebook at Mental Mastery Alliance. And remember, your perception creates your reality. Make it a great day. You got it, Pontiac. 